University Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. Davis wants the ball again. Here's Black off the fake, takes it, slams it! And what a dunk! Wow! We're all knotted in 74! Better make quickly the other way! Better guard Johnson, find him! Absolutely incredible, Matt. I told you we highlighted the kid is so tough. He never quits right down to the last second. Yeah, yeah, I can promise you they're going to be dialed in. I, I know that for a fact. And again, early, those first five minutes are going to be very important tomorrow night. That's why, you know, you talk about the emotions of senior night. Uh, you know, a lot of times you come out a little flat. That can't happen tomorrow night because I know they're going to be juiced up uh, early in this game. DB, tell me small-town basketball programs, small D1, D2, D3 programs don't have the best broadcasters. They do. By far. They do. They are the guys that are so into the game that they don't understand the level from 1 to 10. Like, if you get, like, a, if, if we talked to Kevin Kugler and he was building up for a call, he would say, don't go to your 8 mark before. For halftime, <laughs> right? You get to eight with like five minutes to go, and then if you're really building, like, so you have room for a nine or ten if a big <laughs> shot comes. Yeah. But if you watch a small town game, if you watch it, whether it's high school, whether it's and college, I, I watched four last night. Right, you get ten from the rip. <laughs> I know it's. It it's, may not be the best broadcasting, but it's, boy, it's a heck of a lot of fun listening to somebody it, like that. It's exciting. Hey, so <laughs> here's the deal. Let me ask you some. I don't even know why you started with this. By the way, good morning. Um, if is should should we be bothered on like? And high school is tough, and I think it's because I remember getting an email, and I think oh seven or oh eight. Over the mispronunciation of a of a guy of a kid from House Dodge during the broadcast, right? Smith, like, like um, and and it you know it was pronounced such and such. And I remember at York, it was Simon Odie versus Simon Adi. Uh, so there's just a couple of times that I can remember making sure you have the correct correct pronunciation of a high school kid which is and, a must. And, and Larry and I and Rich Broders, whoever was doing the PA, we would always confer like it was a big deal. Right, you get the rosters early, a couple days in advance. You you because you don't want to make people you upset study that pronunciation that, that sheet. It's and it's disrespectful, right? Mm-hmm. Like you want to get it. Well, right. And you want to get it right, just for you, man. Last night I heard about three names over and over and over again that were pronounced incorrectly, and I'm like, should I let it go? Should I get over it? We ended up turning it down. Because, uh, I mean, Kayla, we had like three devices going. Because with all the broadcasts on YouTube, you, you can always put that on regular TVs. Mm-hmm. Then you got the laptop, then you got the phone. I mean, so we were rolling. Like, we were real time. We started off by watching Central City. Then I think uh, we had Miller North going at the same time. And what we pop into? Gretna was late, so that one that one was a little later, so that helped. But should that should that bug me, or do I give grace? Like, 
Be honest. Well, it bugs me. Okay. So, and I think it bugs us because we do that job. Yeah. And so maybe that's it. Y- you put in that effort, but also at the same time, you know the person. Or if it's a family member, you don't want them calling you by the wrong last name. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine somebody Benign? calling you Beaning? Yeah. Or Damien? Or Damien? Like, yeah, it's like, uh, but that's not me. No, I, like, understand. I, I understand. And so I think a lot of people have issue with it. But, but aren't they? They're students, though, right? They are, yeah. Uh, high and there's some fantastic broadcast. And I'm like, not. And I'm not knocking a student for having the wrong. I've done that before too. Yeah. Like I'm not going to say I was perfect from the start. I think I probably spent two drives, maybe from York, saying Odie, and not Adi. He, he, he ended up going to Nebraska too, and I was like, Fudge, man, he's killing these guys with a broken. Busted elbow. It's I. I just don't forget things like that. This game was literally like four or five years ago, and I remember like it was yesterday because it was actually Baylor Sharman's aunt or his cousin text me and was like, "Hey, it's pronounced this, not that," and she could just go to the hotline because she and I are friends. Like everybody knows. Everybody, right? If you don't know, you just ask. Like, I'm just having a conversation. I just figured out that Brendan Clemens was our guy's nephew. Nephew, And I was like, wait, what? Hey, you're related to Brendan? But anyway, I rapidly right. go down a buddy hole. But I just, s- stuff like that kind of bugs me because I think you feel like you did the kid a disservice. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I've heard Oddvati. I've heard uh, Oddvati. Hey, so, so can I, can I, so I better ask Chad, but we've played with him since he's been in the second grade. It's Advati. Mm-hmm. Like, why is that so hard? Well, it's, it's because uh, longer names that could sound like something else always gets pronounced that. I, I love our PA guy <laughs> at the high school. They have this thing, my buddy. <laughs> so, my he o- buddy. so he always That's says you. my buddy Tate, <laughs> like on a basket. And he's super creative. Like, I was talking with the Dotzlers during the – Bellevue West West Side game, and remember I told you I had to decompress, so I went and sat you with, sat the, with your the opposing parents. <laughs> yeah, my therapist. I, I was talking to I can't even remember what we were talking about, and Twani, his wife, was like, gosh, you know, I kind of like your PA guy. Like, he gives a, he gives a little spunk. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of cool, but um, for whatever the reason, in multiple gyms, his name is one that's almost never pronounced correctly. I, I just called him Little Man Tate. Because it was a movie, <laughs> or I called him Big To or Little To, because mm-hmm. his brother Tyson is a little bigger than him, even though Tate's older. But shoot, man, those guys got a—they got a big one tonight. I I love this time of year, um, just because for the most part, and 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 I'll let you hammer it because I don't know how you feel. For the most part, it's when. <laughs> And be in, <laughs> right? Well, that's I what's know, confusing to me. I know it drives people crazy. We've had this conversation for as long as I've been doing this. So like 05, okay, about wild cards. I and would, I would have been eight. <laughs> <laughs> so I get it. People, you know, people feel certain ways about it. But for me, uh, it's a great time of the season. I remember I was telling you a story off air quickly. I didn't get a chance to get into it. I remember my daughter's team at, at Millard North, they were upset in the districts. And so they waited a couple of, you know, they had to wait to see if they would get in because with, where would the wild card slide? And where were they at the time? 
Man, this was a couple years ago. So I want to say they were the five. They were a five, maybe. Oh, so they had they, they had the sweat out a one through four. And I don't know if they played on a Monday or Tuesday. I can't remember. And turns out they didn't. They wait. Did they or didn't they? I should know. Point point of it is is sometimes you just have to wait it out. Mm-hmm. And I made the mistake of tweeting last night. I just was yeah, fudge, man. Anyway, I said, because we were watching, you know, Prep and Gretna. And Prep was down. Prep was down eight with, like, six to play. And I'm like, oh, shoot, this game is and low. Gretna was down early in that game. Hey, Gre- uh, Prep is going to have to make up. Th- the differential of eight was was like 25% of their total points scored at that time. Right, they had 32 points. Mm-hmm. I was like, how are they going to make Both pretty low-scoring games. I was like, how are they going to make up eight points in, in six minutes? And So my dumb butt tweeted. I was like, hey, wild card may be in play here. Hey. Prep has to hope that Gretna hangs on. Because at that point, it, Gretna was up one. It was 28-27. <laughs> <laughs> in the third yeah, quarter, yeah. which it was a grudger. Wasn't, it wasn't in the first. And sh- sure enough. And then Gretna went up five, and I thought like five was going to mm-hmm. be almost – the way that game was going without North Star's ability to shoot the basketball from distance, five seemed like a big lead in the second half. And Gat hit a three from the top of the key to tie it. And I was like, oh, boy. We got us a we got us a ball game here, and you could just tell. I've been in that gym multiple times. I know how it gets. It's loud, it's packed, it's an electric oh, environment. And when Gretna made a shot, your yeah. TV was shaking. The, the, the place was just going <laughs> ham, right? But how about the Navigators like traveling well, like they represented? And once they got the win, I was like, I'm immediately. Getting on the phone with my buddy, and I was like, hey, we got to figure this out. Because in my head, and he was already watching a game. He was at a game because Bellevue West played. And I'm like, wait a minute. If Gretna loses, are they locked into the three? And I'm saying it out loud, and Caleb's looking at me like, how does that happen? I didn't feel like explaining the whole wild card thing because he doesn't – like, that's not even on his radar. Right. You don't pay attention to that. You pay nope. attention to winning. Yep. So um, I was kind of – I was voice texting, and people are just looking at me like, wait a minute. Are you playing for the seven? Are you going to jump to the five? Are you – are the three? What half of the bracket? And you just see this the, the eye rolls. You know, Mike is like, ugh. I told you such and such was going to win. I told you such and such was going to win. I was like, oh, yeah. Such and such. Oh, yeah. Response right there. Well, how about that? You better call Coach Ludke because I bet he's pissed right now because you said he was the best coach in the state. (laughs) I'm sure he'd love to hear from you right now, too. (laughs) Mike is like, like, look how far he got with that roster. He's still the man. (laughs) It's like, oh, (laughs) gee. Oh, God bless my family. But anyway. Um, it's like d- it's like every greatest of all time argument. Like, well, well, here, hear me out. Dude, he just look at this, he and that's just, why he I'm did. It. You, he just he just thinks. I think he he I I know what it is though. I I think 
he he embraces Coach Ludke because he coaches how he would want to be coached. He's gonna get in you. He's gonna talk to you right. a little bit. I mean, that's how I'll, it's how it's how his coach coaches him. But anyway, so trying to figure out where things go at at the end of the day, man, it's just it's it's easy. Just win, mm-hmm. win. Because I, I I I can I can hear you now. How do you feel about not winning? And still playing another game at this point in the season. Yeah, I, I didn't know it was double elimination. Uh, <laughs> oh, here no, we go. <laughs> no, so I, I told you, I didn't grow up with the wild card. Yeah. So in, in St. Louis, it's you either kept winning or if you lost, yeah. you're done. Your season's over. Is it a cool idea? Because like, as much as I, I like uh, structure, right, I, I like my – my upbringing, like how I like things a certain way. That's yeah, about, I'm, yeah here we go. Yes, yes, you do. Uh, <laughs> I don't hate the idea of the wild card. What I would say about the wild card, though, that kind of confuses me, and maybe it sparked the confused look on CB's face last night, was when you said, "Can Gretna still be the three? If you're the wild card, why are you still a high seed? If you're the wild card, you should bounce to the bottom of the list. And you should get in as the eight or the seven. It should not be, hey, guess what? You still get to play a team that may not be as good as you down, down this way. Okay, let me ask you something. Because they reseed after districts. So, you know, the points will matter. Like sure. we were, I was telling yeah. you, like if Papio South beat North in the opening round of districts, mm-hmm. their wild card points dropped a little because it goes to it's a tier three win. You know, North wouldn't have had a winning record, so you don't get as many points for the win. Right. It's like the pairwise. That's a great analogy. Great analogy, right? It's kind of like you get rewarded for strength of schedule. So, even if look at Gretna's wild card points because of the schedule they played, like they're good. Oh, they have. Oh, and there's no doubt that. Wait, they, well, didn't, don't that they I, have? They had like over good. forty-five points, right? No, I don't mean good as in quality. I meant like in regards to their points. Yeah, like their regular season has their regular season should matter. So I I actually think. I, to be honest, forty-six. That's a ton. Ton. Forty-eight is Bellevue West. They and they played a murderer's row schedule. Forty-six is a ton of wild card points because the regular season matters. And if you rewind, remember how everybody was mad at us at Westside football for being the one seed, even though we had the one loss, and there were undefeated teams that were seated behind us. Look at our schedule, right? Six of the nine teams we played were in the playoffs. And that makes sense. Seven of the nine teams we played yeah. should have been in the playoffs, right? So the regular season has to matter for something. Now, you can debate. I don't know how you would do it. Because on the girls' side, when Lincoln Southwest upset Bellevue West to win, I mean, they, I think they got in at like 14 and 10 or something like that. Now, they were the eighth seed, even though they were playing in, I believe, a five was their district so it's you go by the or the number associated so a1 you're obviously the one seed a2 
And it should get progressively more difficult the lower you get, right? Because it's serpentine by points. Sure. Right? So A7 should be the toughest to figure out. A6 should be the Which, next toughest yeah, to figure A7 out. Yeah, A7 was – what a game that was. Oh, as, I know. As you said, with Dude. Elkhorn South pulling that one out. Dude, how, I'm telling you. In the more I'm around this, it's I'm, – I'm a product of my environment. I just told this to Coach Roulette. Or I just was thinking this last friend. night. Stop. <laughs> so – uh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> not really. I'm a total product of my environment, right? Like, and I have watched these young men and women just play a certain way. And I've seen super talented people not really accomplish what they're supposed to sometimes versus people that really maximize. And so I, I always, I lean towards the maximizer, like, that's how I feel about Alec Noonan. I, I'm not going to get on the Noonan soapbox just because I, I gave him some love on social media right after we played them, and people thought I was crazy because they had just played Westside. So why would you acknowledge? I'm like, listen, man, my job, I, was, I did this talent job. Talent recognizes I, talent. I, I did this job before I was a parent, right? I still could love my kids and my school where I coach. And, but that's one thing about you me, right? You go sit with the other team if you'd and like plus, during the game. AR, like how much time have I spent like propping up other people's kids, right? I talk about other people's kids all the time. Nine, I barely ever st- 95% of I barely your life ever you probably. Give, I barely ever give my kid any public praise. So he's used to it. <laughs> right? So, but anyway, so back That's to why he snaps at you on social media and says, I, you know hey, what? I, that's, Dad, give me a car. That's, that's <laughs> probably some of it. Right? Like, I call. I, I'll say, he's, he's the best this in the state. He's the best this in the state. Or, oh, man, two-way. Or, you know, she can do this. And I'm not afraid to use superlatives. I... I yeah, but I, your kids don't need social media to get. I raised. almost, I never, and I just sometimes I wonder, like, do they resent me? Right? It's like I don't know, maybe they do, right? I, I, I and and what I wanted to tell him was, listen, I, I, I chuckle. I just told one of the guys from the recruiting sites yesterday. I said, it's laughable, laughable, that right now, according to offers and rankings, he's the number six player in the state. He's like, started as two, he's like dropped to six for whatever the reason. And I said, there's not one coach, not even the one on highway in 370, <laughs> not one coach that's played coach watch that wouldn't take him first if you had to start a team tomorrow. He's the best two-way player in the state. And when you factor in special teams, it's a wrap. Mm-hmm. Not, not even their own coach. <laughs> Who would you take first? Well, I'm taking Caleb. So, like, I get that, and I just keep moving on, even though it makes you feel good. something to me. But, you know, but Alec Noonan, he's such a grinder. That team with Warner and, and Hornbacher, like, we, we talked to their co- – you fell in love with their coach because he's your age. <laughs> You're like, oh, Sunbrenner, man. <laughs> I fall in love with a lot of coaches because they're my age. Like – but that's how they play. I was so hoping to meet Garrett McGuire over the weekend too. Uh, and I, I know, and so and our hoping. and our buddy, T, our but well, you got one of our mutual friends that listens to the show. He was so mad at the officiating last night. And listen, oh, hold on, I. <laughs> you mad? Hey Shane, it's your guy, so don't tease him because he's liable to call you. <laughs> he was so mad at the officiating <laughs> the Papio South. Should we hang it up it. on the wall? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
Why are you just carrying that around? <laughs> I just, just been in the backpack since last week. Um, you know, so everybody, so you fast forward and you're watching the the seeds. Once Gretna was in trouble, most of those other teams were playing, so they're not. But I guarantee you, coaches know the wiggle room going into a game. Okay, they're looking at Bellevue West and they're like, Bellevue We're West safe. is Bellevue West is not losing. They're 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 in. So then you get to a two, a three, and it's like ah, uh, God, could they? And Lincoln to, schools came to play yesterday. Hey, they bowled. They they bowled. <laughs> now and they got a chance. So if if Lincoln High wins tonight, they'll have four, right? Because East is in, North Star is in, and Southeast is in. So Lincoln High would yes. make four. Mm-hmm. Could. I just say that out loud for a second. For as maligned as Lincoln is in terms of their athletic prowess, because they and they have been maligned, playing for state titles, this, that, and the other, they could have half the field, which is rare, half the field. And it's like, well, I mean, OBS won't have a representative for the first time since '71. We talked about that with Sauter, and I understand that. That's a there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, and it's been replaced by the. It's been replaced by Lincoln having the opportunity to have half the field. That's a huge win for North Star. It's a huge win for the state. You think? Yeah. Like think. I don't. I. That's. It's fine. It's, I don't look a, at it like it's that. It's a cool you know? spread, right? Yeah, I yeah. mean, you you're taking two huge populations and you're piling them into one building, opposed to just taking one set. Yeah. And driving oh, them I, up I hear you. To I mean, the capital city being well represented. Let's let's hope just not tonight, though. So they're right. basic. So they're <laughs> right. basically playing for the five. And as a coach, you just want to win and move on. But you do know, you've gone from the right half of the bracket to the left half of the bracket, which puts you on Bellevue West side of the bracket. If if these coaches are they're not being honest with you if they tell you they don't want to see Bellevue West until the very end if they have to if you're going to pencil Bellevue West in right so the five tonight whoever wins is the five they get east Lincoln East and you I mean in the next round that's why but in Lincoln anything can happen right anything can happen I watched Central City last night uh, early uh, as Nebraska announced that uh, a couple weeks ago, their volleyball, they're playing in that Bison Dome. How sweet is that building? Oh, I mean, yeah. The, the, the bomb shelter with the where they play their home games. Like that bomb ju- shelter. That's what it is. I know. That's what it got. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, I'm, like, I'm like, hey, go Zickmans, right? It's, <laughs> uh, but um, I, I just, I love this time of year. Girls get started tomorrow. You know, I, I'll leave here. I'm like, shoot, they play at six. But I kind of want to see the Bell East, Bellevue West girls, too. Because I think that's going to be fantastic. I don't know, man. I I just think this time of year. But going back to the wild card, I get it, right? But I think I've grown. I've I've been around it so much. It doesn't bother me because I think the regular season should still mean something. Sure. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I but see, that's that's what you're prone to. Like for me, that's. The regular season really didn't matter. And I went to a school that our regular season was brutal. <laughs> so when you got to your district, yeah. 
when you got to the playoffs, if you win two games, you're just keep moving. Like soccer in particular, oh, man, we went up to the quarterfinals like that, and we were probably a 500 team. Congratulations to the seven or eight that are represented. We will set up the show next. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Coffee and cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Yeah, it's it's really it's special, and it, it honestly is one of the reasons Sam Griesel was attracted to to this particular situation. It's the opportunity to play with Derek Walker, and you see the chemistry that those guys have on the floor. Uh, what you don't see a lot is, is their off court chemistry, and you know those guys are are tight. They talk a lot. Uh, you know when they come up in, into the office, they talk about what they need to do specifically to help keep our team on the right track and and it's pretty cool you know to have those meetings and to hear them talk about it as opposed to me saying hey you need to do this you have to do this to keep us on track it comes from them a lot and I, you know I know I've talked about this you're probably getting sick of me hearing it but when you have the leadership uh, from a player's standpoint it just makes our life and our job so much easier and you can see it in the huddles it's why you know, it's hard to come back from 17 on Wisconsin. It's hard to come back from eight down on arguably the hottest team in our league right now in Maryland. And you have to have good leadership on the floor to keep things poised. You know, we get four timeouts. Uh, we don't get 10 of them. So they have to fix it on their own. And they've done that a lot. And that's because of the leadership of, uh, of, of those senior players, most specifically Sam and Derek, since Emmanuel's been off the floor. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, 888-638-4876. If you'd like to get involved, it's Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. We are live from the H&H Chevrolet stage at Hale Varsity Club. Let's set up the show. You just heard from head coach Fred Hoiberg as he sets the stage for senior night tonight at PBA, tip-off at 8 o'clock. We will get into how much veteran leadership has paved the way for recent success at Nebraska here in a few moments. But uh, before we get there, let's tell you what you're going to hear the rest of the way. Brandon Vogel at 745. He's coming up next, as he does every Tuesday. We'll talk about the biggest storyline for each Big Ten team entering spring practice right at the top of the hour because with recent rankings that have come out about Big Ten quarterbacks, with everything that kind of compiled on top of one another this offseason in the Big Ten. Uh, there's just a lot to kind of sort out. And so we'll, we'll put each in their respective laundry basket and uh, tell you how they clean things up uh, in the Big Ten. Uh, as well, uh, we, we go and talk MLB pace of play here <laughs> on the show today because I have a few thoughts on that. Even though, like, the, for me, DB, it's one of those things where I'm like, I'm blinded a little bit, like, because 
I don't know if it needs a lot of change, but I'm not saying the change can't be good either. Blinded by the light. That too. We'll do, we'll do our roster review uh, as we do every week. Talk to Joel Lorenzi at 9 o'clock. Play Take It or Leave It at 9.30 and then talk to Kyle Austin at 9.45. Before collide. we get it. song. Before we... <laughs> I hate when he does that. It drives me up the wall. It, like, that's, uh, I'm going to say this and I'm going to move on, Shane. Y- you can pick sides in this whole deal. What did, what did I do? I didn't do anything. You can be anti-DB or you can be anti-AR. You cannot be a waffler. If you're going to just cut up my ridiculousness, I don't know if we can hang out. I'm just going to put that out there. Do okay. I need to be careful? I really got to be careful on what I say about that. So. See? <laughs> I think he only has one clip of me. I just did that the other day, didn't I? The Howie? The the Collide? Yeah. Yeah. Uh I remember you singing it. I went, dude, I can't even believe how ridiculous it is sometimes. Collide, it's a song. You and I collide. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Funny man. Uh, Do you know how much... Timos is like, let me rage tweet in peace, please. <laughs> did you did you do the two? Yeah. And I don't even like being that guy either. I just did it because I, I I think he could laugh, but um he could have had he could have had two of his kiddos playing at state. I hope to have two playing at state, because if Papio South would have made it, they'd have been right there with Springfield. You're pretty close. Is. I know. I know. Knock it on the door. Well, 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 Maya have scoreboard. She wouldn't rub it in. That would be really, really, really foul. <laughs> hey, some basketball terms there. What, what me to, scoreboard <laughs> and foul? Hey, you want me to tell you how, what? You want me to tell you what PBA is like? <laughs> Caleb, it's not. It's not as cool as you think. Caleb, Caleb, look at her. Like, yeah, I remember. We got beat by prep last year. Okay. <laughs> uh, but I, can I just tell you how that warmed the cockles of my heart to hear? Because we talked about this with Sam yesterday when I read Amy's article. I was like, the whole Derek, that whole article, like, tilted my world momentarily. Mm-hmm. Right? And I, I talked about it ad nauseum. Just the leadership, 25 years old, 658 days. And he talked about Sam, right? And I said, all those guys have a story to tell. And it always, it revolves around resolve. Just to hear him go there yesterday, I was like, yeah. Yeah, Coach Hoiberg, yeah. Player led. Leadership. Perseverance, yeah. Cause I'm like, I'm like sixty, right? It's just those are the things that I like, that I gravitate towards. Man, just hang in there longer than the next person. I guarantee you, they'll quit first. You just have to train in such a way where time doesn't matter. That's it. A player-led team ensures that the team's culture will be strengthened and reinforced when you're not around, and that's. What Sam Griesel and Derek Walker have been able to establish this year, at least midway through the season, really pick up on, grab some leg in regards to Hoiberg not having to babysit these guys. Mm-hmm. Like These are guys that are in his office breaking down film with him, talking about, you know, different forms of offense that they can run to be successful against the opponent at hand. He said, we, we only get four timeouts. We don't. We don't get 10. <laughs> Can you imagine? I'd use 10 just to 
keep my guys fresh if I didn't like my bench. People aren't going to like who said this quote, but I couldn't agree more with it. Oh, here we go. Bad teams, no one leads. Average teams, coaches lead. But elite teams, players lead. That would be, is that Peach? That is. Is that Coach Fleck? <laughs> that is Coach Fleck. I, I get it. I mean, again, and you heard me say this to Ron Johnson yesterday on his podcast. Uh, it doesn't matter what people outside the walls believe. It only matters what people in the building believe. Sometimes your message isn't for everyone. You have a specific intended target audience. And if it resonates with them, then you're okay. Coach Rule can't tell everybody, hey, man, no phones at the table. Okay? I want you to, I want you to make eye contact, and, and I want you to get to know your brothers, okay? That may not play some places. If it, 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 It's, it's going to play here, and if it doesn't, you'll probably find yourself with something different to do, right? So it doesn't matter how we critique it or we receive it. It just matters mm-hmm. if the players are all in. Right. And I think that's when, when Coach – so he's gr- – I don't know if he's grown. I don't want to make – like a sweeping generalization it seems like coach Hoiberg has like grown in his profession too even with all the successes pre coming here it still seems like you know he's he's continuing to kind of be um i don't know validated is the word but like reinforce that he's moving in the right direction as his evolution has grown too because now he's realizing and maybe he did before, but now it's playing out before his eyes. It's not always about having good players and plug and play. Sometimes it's about ooh, what can we rest in when when it right. goes when it hits the wall. There hasn't been a time, or the fan, not, I not even say. this during this four game winning stretch, but even in the second half of the season, that Hoiberg felt exhausted because the team was playing different sheet music than him. Yeah, there hasn't been a time. And that's because senior leadership of Griesel and Walker align with Hoiberg's team values and philosophy, which is trickled down to the replacements. It's not often you see a team go seven, eight deep. And with the schedule of difficulty and all the injuries that the Huskers, in this case, are an above 500 team. Yeah. It's not often that you see that when you have to go that deep into the bench. Hey, did you catch yesterday, speaking of which, when we were talking with Ravi, which, by the way, I, I, it's a good segment. I could have gone on another 15, yeah, really 20 minutes. really good conversation with him. But, you know, he said, and sometimes it's just his delivery, you know, but he was like, hey, I was, we were asking the compare and contrast about the feelings and the sentiment of, of both programs, and he said, hey, I mean, if, you're, if your thing is like to be – above 500 then okay and immediately you know what i thought of can expectations be fluid can they change based can they be mike riley nebraska led after you start eight and oh because we certainly didn't think much of that season pre them going eight and oh but boy did we have some concerns after right so can can expectations be fluid because in the same vein, how are you going to view Creighton season if you don't get to where your goals yeah, it, were to it, start? Is it a loss if you don't get to the Final Four, Elite Eight? That's what people were talking about. We'll talk to Brandon Vogel next.
Coffee and Cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Welcome back to the show. Coffee and Cream in the morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency 590 ESPN Omaha. Live on Twitter, live on YouTube. We're happy to have you with us if you are either streaming at home, we're on your television, or you're listening in your vehicle right now. We appreciate your time, and we hope you enjoy this next segment as we bring in Brandon Vogel. Brandon is our guy at Hale Varsity, managing editor for Hale Varsity. And uh, if you want to get a subscription to Hale Varsity, you can use that promo code DB or that promo code AR for monthly and uh, get some deals, get some perks, and be a part of that great team as well. Brandon, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good, B. Vogues. Hey, we were just talking before the break, and and I used, you know, because we had this conversation yesterday, and one of the poll questions we wanted to talk about was comparing and how you feel about your respective programs. We were using Creighton and Nebraska, and I think the the obvious answer would have been like, oh, you know, you feel better about Nebraska for, you know, multitude of reasons. Um, But I said, you know, maybe it's not that easy. Maybe it's... Are you prolonging the inevitable if you're a Nebraska basketball fan, right? Are you just riding the good ride knowing that it could come to a halt rather quickly? And if you're Creighton, you know, maybe it's, yeah, you've got the two in a row, but you still have the opportunity to get going for a a long run in March. And it just got me thinking. And I go back to Riley's 8-0 start and how we feel about Nebraska basketball versus Tim Tim Miles being in a much better position later in the season and him not keeping his job, right? So I asked the question, is it okay when expectations are fluid given the course of how a season plays out? Yeah, I think it's I think it's definitely okay. You know, we kind of, I think, touched on this a little bit last week. Like, you know, Nebraska basketball is an interesting case. They... <clears throat> kind of exist a little bit like at the start of the year you know i think it would have been a fair expectation for okay nebraska needs to show progress um in in this this season under fred hoiberg otherwise we kind of look at the numbers and the numbers are what they are well at this point they've already exceeded all previous win totals they've shown the progress through some difficult circumstances um, and you, you've won four straight. You've got a super interesting game tonight against the Michigan State program, which, you know, Michigan State's basketball tradition speaks for itself. But that connection between Izzo and Hoiberg always, I think, adds a little extra to this one for me. Um, but, you know, the key thing for me, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, whatever, is trying to look at how sustainable you know, a program is built. It's interesting that you <laughs> referenced Mike Riley starting 8 no. Um All of a sudden, Nebraska's in the college football playoff rankings <laughs> for, for a week. And, you know, that was a season where, hey, you'll take it 10 times out of 10. But you can kind of see, like, I don't know if this is an 8-0 good team at that point. So that's going to be tough. It's going to be, you know, something to parse, I think, in the offseason. Um, Nebraska's going to have to make another – good amount of roster moves, I think, um, to continue to build off this. But they've at least given themselves the right to do that at this point. Nebraska, so close to touching an NIT berth, and it's not even funny. 
well, I guess it is kind of funny to see where they once were to where they have now come, uh, but it, it's been more passion than it's been more f- uh, humor. And, you know, is that all the state can expect, though, out of this group? I, with Michigan State on deck tonight for senior night, and then you follow that up with Iowa and you go into the Big Ten tournament, is it obnoxious to think Nebraska may have more on their plate or can go for seconds as if they win some Big Ten tournament games, maybe find their way into the big bracket? Um, I mean... <clears throat> I haven't, I haven't let myself entertain that too much at this point, but it's not crazy. I mean, with the way that they're playing at home, um, and oh, by the way, went on the road and beat a pretty good Rutgers team in that mix as well over this current kind of four-game home winning streak. Um, you know, tonight tonight feels like an opportunity for, for, for Nebraska if they're able to get it done, you know, on senior night at home. All of a sudden, you go into that that finale against Iowa feeling like you've got a shot. And you go into the Big Ten, Big Ten tournament feeling like you have a shot to do some things. So, um, not totally crazy. Um, I, you know, it would probably take probably take running to the final day of the Big Ten tournament to, to really enter the discussion. But they, they've played really well of late. And you've got, you know, those those two seniors. Three will be honored tonight. Bandamel's, of course... Uh, can't play um but when you have Greasel and walker and kind of the leadership there and you're getting some really good performances out of players outside of those top two um you know i i'm not ready to say nebraska can't keep it rolling i guess at this point hey brandon i'm i'm just listening and I, it got me thinking in one of my old coach isms staying in the moment right we're fast forwarding. We're kind of projecting. Hey, what does it take? What is what does this look like down the road? When apparently, and Coach Hoiberg referenced it in the pressers yesterday. You don't make those kind of comebacks and have these kind of games. You outscored Wisconsin in overtime. What was it, ten to two or whatever it was, twelve to two? You don't do those kinds of things without the ability to stay in the moment. How unique is this team, or how portable is it? However you look at it, that they seem to possess the ability to just stay in the moment not looking to iowa city until after tonight example yeah yeah it feels feels pretty unique to me and it it might be a little bit unique to the situation you know you look at this this nebraska this nebraska season and they've kind of uh hit all of the hit all of the spots along the tour route, right? You know, you had some early wins over good opponents, and you you did that despite Derek Walker not being available for a stretch. Um, So, uh, you know, getting to December and things are looking like, okay, maybe maybe postseason is is where this team is, is headed. Uh, then you deal with some injuries after the start of the first year and things get pretty low through a four-game winning losing streak. Well, then you come back and figure some things out and, and, and go on a winning streak to basically erase that piece of it. So I think that if that doesn't drive home that message of like, hey, we're not worried about the Big Ten tournament, who we're going to face there. We're not worried about the Iowa game. We're worried about Michigan State tonight. Um might be a little bit circumstantial, or it might be actually a facet of this team. Um, and that's kind of one of those things where, you know, not to fast forward again, but you've got to wait and, and see, uh, hey, can you come back with that approach next year um, with a largely different team 
because it is it is important. Uh, there's a reason a lot of coaches preach that preach that approach. Is it because Casey is knocking down threes? Hoiberg, when he comes in, does some unique things, not only just defensively, but uh, more of those scrappy plays. Is it because of guys like those two that we're seeing Greasel and Walker start to have success again and, and not feel as much defensive pressure as they once did have um, on the floor? Because uh, for those two guys, it, it's been a difficult go at it. But then all of a sudden, when other things started to open up, it seemed like their job became a lot easier, and that's what's kind of led to the success that they're on. Yeah, I, I think the the emergence of Tominaga as a you know a guy who can go for twenty points on any given night. Um, it, it's hard for me to I think overstate the value of that because you know prior to that point, what, what was Nebraska? Well, you had two guys who give you everything you want in terms of leadership and effort in, in Greasel and Walker. I mean, Walker leads the team in scoring. I think he's just under 14 points a game and, and, and that's good. Um, and he, he does a lot of things for you, but you just need somebody who can make shots, um, which, you know, isn't any great analysis, but it's, it's the truth. And, and if Tominog is doing that, not just behind the arc, like, the thing that's been as shocking to me is his success finishing at the rim and, and getting into the lane. And, and, you know, and that's, that's a lot of kind of coaching and, and drawing some of that stuff up, but also reading and reacting to, to how teams are defending you. Uh, it, it's just, it, it opens Sam and, and Derek up, I think to just play the kind of game they've always been built to play and, and it really shows, I think, the total value of what they're doing. If they're not your two two guys who both have to go for 14 points a night, uh, just because where else are the points going to come from? Hey, B, before we uh, get you out of here, let me cross over to football here real quick. With You, you heard the, the, the staff speak last week, and they're trying to set the stage for what they want to have happen in, in the spring. Is this one of those years, or how do you feel about when jobs should be declared? Are you willing to be a little bit more patient this year without any lofty expectations heading into spring and not hit panic? Yeah, I am. I think in a lot of cases, um, I would almost, as someone sitting totally on the sidelines, prefer it if, those, if the, some of those key battles go up to fall camp or even into fall camp. Um, I think that's, I think that's part of a, a year one under, under a new staff. Um, you're going to have, you know, and part of a new staff is, you know, the early enrollee numbers, uh, you know, you'll probably have larger groups come in earlier or later. Um, so you're going to have a, a raft of new players who, who won't get here until the summer. Um, so that'll be important to give those guys, you know, a fair chance to to show what they're what they're able to do and what level they're at coming in. Uh, so for most of these these position battles, I don't think there's one where you've got to come out of the spring and be like, well, that's that's where we're going. Um, and, and we know it now. I mean, maybe the coaches will know it in, in certain cases, but I think all of the upside is on letting this run, letting it be. Hey, we don't have to be ready to go on, you know, May 1. We've got to be ready to go on August 31st. Brandon Vogel, appreciate your time this morning. Thanks so much. We'll talk again next week. 
Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, P. Managing editor for Hale Varsity. Coming up, we'll keep it with football and look around the Big Ten, talk about the biggest storyline for each team entering spring practice. That's next. Coffee and cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. Top of the hour here on Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers, happy to have you with us on today's show. Was Monday a good day for you? Maybe Tuesday will be better. The only way to cap off your day is by taking in an Acres Ale. Brewed with Nebraska corn, crisp and clean with a light, refreshing flavor. It's locally brewed. It's the perfect beer to wind down your work day, and it goes down smooth. It's not something that you're going to say, man, oh, I don't even know if I'm going to get dinner down mm-hmm. because this beer was so heavy. No, it's very light, and it, it, it. it pairs well with a lot of different things. So um, if you're looking for something maybe to celebrate tonight, DB, um, when you get home at 10 o'clock tonight, crack open an Acres Ale and say salute. Uh, I would I will make breakfast on a with a victory next to an Acres Ale. Yeah, <laughs> would that you think that would pair well? I bet you could pour the Acres Ale what was into the, what was the, the really, sausage. What was the really good sausage. one that we tried that I felt that I said had the most versatility? Was that Nebraska? The you, one with the red dear label? old Nebraska brew. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this one's kind of this product. one's kind of subtle. Maybe I could make a. What's a mimosa when you drink it at night? <laughs> you can make it with burr. You would make a mimosa with dear old Nebraska brew? It just seemed light. I wouldn't do that. I don't have that kind of... <laughs> I mean, I'm crazy, but I'm not that crazy. <laughs> can, we, can we hear the collide drop again? <laughs> it's a song. You and I collide. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Which isn't even right. It's do, 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 do. <laughs> do it again. Come on, Shane. <laughs> How about no? How about a no? How about a beer? Where's Brett Musburger when I need him? How about him? a beer? <laughs> Get you a little, little zipline ale. Man, we may need a beer after. Now, you know who needs a beer? My buddy T. Mose. He needs a beer. <laughs> after you called him out for his grammar? No, I no, I really was not just messing with him, but he's sending me these clips of this game, and it's not very good. He, he's got a point here. He's, he's got a point. When you start getting video evidence, my man is on one this are, morning. Are, are we talking about officiating here? Yes! Are, are, are you talking about how you agree with poor officiating? I, I am not in agreement. I am saying that based on the clips he showed me, he's he is validated. But uh, listen, no, you're not going to – this ain't cry for me, Argentina. I We played in the game in that building where there were 48 fouls called. We have zero success over there off Highway 370 and 108 in basketball. I mean, it is a house of horrors. So, I listen, it's all good in the neighborhood. Let's just talk wild cards. Uh, no, let's get a win tonight is what's on your Oh, we don't have a chance. Right. We don't have a chance. Listen. I'd be being super disingenuous if I was telling you, man, seeds, one through five, hold. <laughs> hold. Give us an out clause. Well, districts, there's no upset to districts. <laughs> well, I, I want it. I'm just being honest. 
for all the wild card hate, I told you, I'm not, shoot, I'm not mad at Greta. The regular season should mean something. And I would gladly take the wild card. Now, we don't have the type of team, in my opinion, that could recalibrate and dial back in after losing a district final game. Final game. So, okay. But, believe me, I want the opportunity. <laughs> Let's transition to this because I read a couple of articles over the past few days. One was Athon Sports came out with the Big Ten quarterback rankings. And then I read another article last night about storylines of each team entering the Big Ten. And then I even read something else. Uh, I don't know if it was yesterday or this morning. Well, you just read so much, you can't keep track? Well, no, but it all kind of ties into, oh, it's the Big Ten expansion. So that was yesterday, too, on how Oregon and Washington are on the Big Ten's radar, but they're doing all of this, and they still haven't solved their their problem at their core, mm-hmm. which is filling Kevin Warren's shoes. We don't need to get into that How are we going to get expansion with no commission? <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Uh, so. Although, Judon, i got to tell you, do you know how bad I'm cheering for expansion? I like expansion. No, let me tell you the real reason. I just want to be right. Oh, okay. <laughs> For no other reason. I think, just, I think you just want to watch Kalen more times. For no other reason that I'm shallow and I want to be right because I have maintained for a couple of years now that the Big Ten is going to a four-team pod and we need two more teams off the left coast. So I just want to be grab right. The, t- the two big guys. I mean, uh, listen. If you took Washington and Oregon along with USC and UCLA, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Competition there. I I, kind of want Stanford. Stanford's another one that was talked about, but wasn't like a. If you looked into the crystal ball, they weren't in it. Yeah. I kind of want Stanford. Now, the downside to getting Stanford. See, I always have to. There's always the duality, right? See, the downside to getting Stanford is that brings them back into play because they're recruiting our household pretty tough, and they're trying to get him to take this other AP class so they can offer because you have to meet. You have to be a smart kid. You have to meet the academic portion and then get qualified and then get through admissions athletics wise and so I'm like shoot does that help or hurt if Stanford's in the Big Ten because of the Big Ten footprint with him so if it if it adds to Stanford being in play I don't want them in (laughs) if if he's if it doesn't sway him at all, then do what you want to do. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. Am I terrible? No. Just trying to balance. I don't want some of these. I don't want him at some of these schools. It's okay. I said that out loud. Sorry, Caleb. It's a good thing. It's your choice. Right. I know. <laughs> I know. It's I, Sometimes I can be really, really selfish. I'm just not wearing any other. <laughs> just this is Omaha, Creighton, Nebraska. That's it. Outside of West so Side and St. Louis, Shane, that I, was so I'm delayed. Ju- I'm just repping the. I'm just repping my city and my state. I told him anything else, man, is a crapshoot. <laughs> just telling you, no big dude. Deal. I'm a jerk. I don't know. I I think I think you're going to be a big softy wherever he goes. Nebraska. I think you're going to be a big softy. Could you just make it easy? Do it. 
Old Dominion. <laughs> yeah. Hey. I don't know if he's going there. <laughs> Did they offer him? <laughs> Do it. Hey. Be peaches and cream. What about Illinois? Is that is that a team that you could think? No, although I don't know if he could handle Bielema. Bielema would kick him out of practice and he'd, he'd, he'd feel, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just playing. <laughs> Well, I like I like I like Illinois. I like what they're doing, and I like how they play. I watched them warm up, and I was like, "Ah, oh, yeah, they mean business." So, so that's the cheat code, right? I watch these teams and I listen to them because, and I watch them in pregame, and I was like, "Oh, I I could be a part of that." Oh, we we couldn't do that. Oh, they don't even have their pads on. Yeah, I'm good on them. Or no, I like so I I do those kinds of things. I like the way the Illinois plays. Well, they're in with a new everything right now. They have to find a replacement for Chase Brown, which was the majority of their offense. Tommy DeVito is no more. Enter Luke Altmeyer into the conversation, who came in at 12th in Athlon's Big Ten quarterbacks preseason rankings. The transfer from Ole Miss. He led Illinois in passing yards in eight of the last – excuse me. A transfer quarterback has led Illinois in passing yards in eight of the last nine seasons. What if Sikowski wins that job? He can't win it? He could, but this is just – I'm basing everything. No, 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 no. You don't have to defend it. I'm just right. – these are just hypotheticals. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Nothing is solidified with Illinois right now. Yeah. Nothing. Because as Ryan Walters exits – to go take the head coach job at Purdue, you have Aaron Henry who enters on defense, who went from DB coach. Oh, Henry. If I'm correct, DB coach to DC now. And now it's all about can you replicate one of the nation's top defenses again? Can, can I ask you a quick question about this quarterback thing? How can Calcamanis be last in the Big Ten? Talk about a name that – Going back to what we started with the show, with broadcasters needing to know, that's a name that you have to know. Like, and I, I remember Product Greg. Antioch, Illinois, where my fiance's from. So are we not? He has a ton of experience. He's playing in a similar system. I know you have co OCs now in, in Minnesota, but how is he last? He looked pretty formidable against us. Uh, Did you watch that sorry QB yeah. run game they kept t- tanking at us? Yeah, he looked he looked okay. If he's last in the Big Ten in terms of quarterbacks, man, this is going to be a tough conference. Well, he finished the year with 946 yards and three scores, uh, only four picks, added 140 yards on the ground with a touchdown. This is somebody that came in for Tanner Morgan in an offense that really didn't favor the quarterback. It favored Mo Ibrahim, which is another void in that Minnesota offense, yeah. can they replace three interior linemen and a running back and start fresh with your guy, Kayak Manis? I don't know. Um, the thing that I think makes it easiest for them is the system is in place, and he's familiar with it. It's not like Hudson Carr. It's not like some of these guys, Tanner Mordecai, coming over learning an, an, another new system. I mean, Aller in Penn State, mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be relatively – it's not new, but experience for him what will do you be think the of difference. Aller? I mean, I think Penn State is actually in a decent position Me this too. year yeah. to they, not they, only – answer the call for a Big Ten title potentially, but a college football playoff berth 
because of the question marks that surround Ohio State and who's going to be their quarterback next year. Now McCord is in line to be that guy, but let's not sleep on the redshirt freshman. New Penston. Devin Brown's good. Yeah. I mean, maybe. Maybe. I, I, just, I just think they have, they have so many other things in place, and he's recruited well. Like, at Penn State, like they recruited so well. He's playing six freshmen. I know two of them are at the running back spot, but still, like, they went young. Now, they've got to replace some guys that maybe one of the, Steel- the Steelers could draft her and Porter Jr. and guys like that. But I don't, I don't – Penn State, for them, they may not need as good a quarterback play quickly with the tandem they have in that backfield. I mean, they got two studs. So – and they know who they are. Yeah, the key for them will be continuing. And James to, Franklin's a really good coach. Continuing. Yeah, I don't know about that. Um, I think he's a really good coach. I, I just don't think I could say that out loud. I mean, he, they they win. He's productive. They I don't win. know about, like, some in-game things that drive me crazy. And he's that's very, fine. He's very polarizing. Because I could see your case. I mean, you don't do what you did at Vandy. And then, you know, I, I, I get the prowess, but pit the record the last two and a half years with what you just said, given how they've recruited. I don't know, man. I, I don't know if, if I'm – I don't know if I have the, the stones to say that out loud. Well, they, they James, play Frank, in, James Franklin's a really good guy. They play in a super tough conference. Yeah, super tough. So some in-game decisions, like you're talking about, I'm, I'm sure you go. You, back well, to you don't give the state, State. You don't give the state school that leeway. They play in a super tough conference, sure. Right. So I mean, I don't, I don't know if that's like the ace I would play. You know what I mean? It's, it's listen. I'm with you because I think he's polarizing. I, I think I think he's very I think he's very polarizing. He's got some Fran McCaffrey in him. I still can't get over that. <laughs> I, I don't know if you ever will. <laughs> I've, I've, n- I've never seen a coach do it. Uncle Ruru. <laughs> Such a I, childish move. That's why I was just getting so ready to say childish. Uncle Ruru. That is something you and Claire would do to be playing to see who blinks first. She's two. Okay, like, I've never, and say what you want about Kelly. I, I like, listen, say what you want, but I've never seen anything like that. I've watched that thing 15 times just because I was mesmerized. Who does that? And how do you, so, like, are you just so well established with whatever it is your accolades are where you don't give a what? Because how do you, so how do you walk around the office and feel good about yourself? Do you just lack that kind of self-awareness? I don't think he cares what anybody thinks. Well, that's what I'm saying. So if you don't have that kind of self-awareness and you, you're just like, I've done this, I've done this, I can do it, I guess you feel okay. I'd well, it's no wonder his kids have to play for him. <laughs> that's tough. No, no, no. He's a bully. Like, Fran probably bullies his kids to play for him. Yeah. Uh, back to Penn State, though. I do get <laughs> – I do get – you know, I, I think about it a ton with Franklin because I want to give him some credit because he's he's got some tremendous notches in his belt. I just wonder how the like you just point blank flat out looked at me and you said James Franklin's a really good coach. 
I just don't know if I could say that. Uh, since he got there, yeah, seven and six, seven and six, three eleven, four eleven win seasons, eleven and three, eleven let's, and two, let's, eleven let's, and two, eleven and two. I mean, yes, he had twenty twenty and twenty twenty one weren't fantastic. I, but twenty twenty one, he went seven and six. They went to a bowl game every year but one. I just don't. I, again, I get the polarizing part. I just don't know if I could say he's a really, really good. Or you only said one, really. Mm-hmm. He's a really good coach. I don't know. I, I there's just you man. can sway me one way or another. I, I like just where I, rest I just with don't that know claim. if that's a hill that I want to die on just yet. And this year, I think we'll solidify that. Maybe that's a good. That's a it's a good little baseline. Although, will he get the breaking in a new quarterback? Because I think Aller got the he got the mop up duty against Ohio State, and and uh, you know he's a big, strong guy. I mean, it's, he's six five. He's two forty. I mean, he can sling the peel. But I, I don't uh, color me curious on Penn State because the guy that's ranked ahead of him in that quarterback deal needs to have a bounce back here, and that's Peyton Thorne. Yes, he does. Because I've been hearing about him. Good they point. they shocked me. I told you last year, right? I'm amazed that they didn't have a better year with Reed. And somehow I know Reed was second team all conference. I think he was living off what he did last year because or two years ago because he was their third leading receiver last year, which was weird. But how did the combination of Thorne and Reed not work more? It, it's it's just the you fact talk that about, you talk about a big year. That's a big year for Mel Tucker, in my opinion. Right. Well, it, they don't have Kenneth Walker. Well, that's what everybody said last year. So let's see. And I'm with you. Let's right. see if. But, like, if you look at the numbers for Thorne, with Walker, he had over 3,000 yards. Without him, he barely eclipsed 2,600. I, I, you're preaching to the choir as a, as a running back or whatever it is that I used to do. Like, I would love to, be my, I would love to be my quarterback's best friend. I'd love run action, you know. All that kind of stuff. And Mel Tucker put together, what, a top 25 recruiting class this year? I think he's gone, he's gone Drake, back to back. <laughs> Shane, <laughs> never mind. Never mind. I'm not really talking to you until Collide. It's a song. See? <laughs> no, no, I think you're talking Drake. <laughs> back to back. No, no, get... no, 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 no. Collide. It's a song. <laughs> You and I collide. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Is that always going to be funny? Because <laughs> it's wrong, and you're not wrong all too it's much. It's the second part of the do-do-do chord. It's not the initial. It's the second part. Yeah, it's the tail no, no, end of no, the first. It is it stays too. high. It stays high twice. Okay, so I didn't nail the thing, but the the staccato. Is it staccata? Onomatopoeia? I don't know. Amazing Dan is probably. Uh, you know what it is. What? Collide. It's a song. Shut up, Shane. <laughs> let's get out of breath, Brian, and uh, break up this monotony. Me okay, let's put go to my line little, one. My hands around your little Vienna sausage neck. Oh, out of breath, Brian. He's talking to you. What's up, man? No, Brian's bigger than me. <laughs> It'd be a What's week to catch his larynx. <laughs> What's up, B? How are you? I know, just listening to you talking about your son. Hey, wait, 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 B. Sorry to interrupt. What would you have done to Fran McCaffrey? <laughs> what would I done? I would miss that. What? 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 He, do? st- he walked over to the baseline and stared down an official during a timeout. Oh, you got to go oh, back and watch it. 
I probably would just laughed in his face. You know, that's me. Don't touch. At, at, at his pay level, he would have touched me. If it, at his pay level, he would have touched me. I would have acted like I got hit. You know what we say on the north side? If anybody ever hit us in the back of the car accident, we gonna get out of a fake injury. Oh man! Hey, I can tell you what they would not have gotten hey. another call all night. Big. Iowa would oh, not want, have gotten another call. Have you had any of those? Because I mean, you've officiated a long time, man. You've had to have some back and forth. I've, I've tried to make a joke. I've tried to make a joke about how uh, one time we had a parent operating the clock and they kept starting it late, but I kept counting the time off with my hand and was just as the game went. Well, it came down like the last four seconds of a game and he uh, let he didn't start the clock for two seconds. His team shot the ball, got the rebound, and then shot it with two seconds left and the ball went in. And I said, well, if the game was over with, which it was, I just going to say there was a well uh, endowed woman that chest bumped me. And, uh, what the? <laughs> she chest bumped me after the game. Then she was mad. Wow. And, I, and I try to, you know, try to keep myself in the same place and think about something funny. You know what, you know, uh, you college, and they said you're going to do a speech in public, think about everybody naked. I'm mean, not going to think about everybody naked. But I thought about something to keep myself calm. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I'm not going to say it. I thought, <laughs> I, I thought he was going to help me left. deal with Shane. I don't feel like I'm being helped right now. Hey, hey, all you can do is just laugh. Just laugh, Damien. You can do is laugh it off. People, cause people came and helped me. You know, they see you a good official. Mm-hmm. People come and help you and jump in. But it was I. I made the best of it. Laugh. I said, I just got bumped. I got chest bumped by. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna send it to you. Hey, Brian. Back to your original point. Talk about uh, what you were going to say. I, I was just wondering. I was like, what's your list name of the schools you don't want your kid to go to? I know Duke got to be on it. I know you're not gonna let Duke come up to your door. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to be disappointed. I'm be di- I mean, it's already bad enough. I got, you know, worry about your son having a, a father that's a, a Pittsburgh Steelers fan oh, oh. trying to, you know, hate on him getting recruited. You know, it's already bad enough for this. I feel sorry for him. I always thought that when I read from your kid. I'm like, what a nice kid. Hey, I'll Why be honest, though. I'll be honest, though. As, as, much, <laughs> as much as I hate Duke basketball, and there's no question I do, I will say Elko, prob- something comes in the mail Four times a week from Duke. I, I figure that. I figure that. Like, they know about something bad. Stanford knows. Stanford wouldn't be too bad. What is an AP class? I heard you refer to what's AP class. So, he, so uh, a it, college it, course. Yeah, he needs a he needs another college course. I believe it's English because it's not just about his GPA. He needs another. He needs another college course because and they had a transition in staff once they let Shaw go. Um, the the current staff has kind of picked up where they left off. So, I mean, I don't know. I I, I with television, I don't hey. have to worry about it. But hey, congrats, congratulations to the young man. I know I've seen him been nice young man. Uh, hey, love to see him grow up. It's, a, it's an interesting thing to see. I'd pre- love to do it again. I appreciate <laughs> it. Thanks, hey, hey, thanks, Brian. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna need a psychiatrist. Call in anytime. Though, I it call. I got. Dr. Stark on speed dial just to balance my emotions. Sometimes I just want to sound off, and then other times it's like, oh, my gosh, I have to be a parent. Man, I got to tell you, I remember my AP English course, the last one I had to take in high school. And uh, what's he reading? Beowulf? Dude, it's – I mean – Wathway, God, Dana. uh, We had to, like, recite, like, the first – 
opening line of that book. I don't even remember what it was written in, but it was in English. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, great, AP English. <laughs> and I'm like, listen, if you got an offer from Duke and Vandy, certainly Stanford can bite the bullet, can't oh, they? old English. <laughs> <laughs> really? I don't really care at this point. I just... Fast forward, man, whatever. <laughs> hey, let's change gears. Go to Northwest Missouri State. Let's go get us a, yeah. a national championship. Let's talk pace of play next. Coffee and cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Hey, welcome back to the show, 888-638-4876. Amazing Daniel on YouTube. Nah, I'm oh, just going to let you struggle with that. Onomatopoeia. Yeah, that's probably it. Wait, what is it, though? Why didn't he just tell me? Because is, because he's, he just wants it to rest fester. like uneasy Is it Staccata? Or am I thinking of the movie Stigmata? Is Staccata a I'm just going to Google. Lord knows he's not going to help me. And can you believe his his wife is like super nice and he's kind of like not. <laughs> like how does that work? <laughs> Way to be blunt. <laughs> well, I didn't have another word obviously. I'm, she's uh, like super nice. Oh my goodness, she's so down to earth, so caring, and he just sucks. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's exactly what I came simply as. said not. <laughs> He's always going to have a – he's got a soft spot with me for two reasons. Number one, I've known him forever. So I feel like, okay, we, we, we're we in that tree of trust. The other thing is he's a Steelers fan. He is a, he is a Steelers fan. So, so. We're, we're, we're good. You guys are one and the same. Can we get back to this quarterback situation thing, though? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so I noticed for Nebraska – on the and we're talking quarterback situation. Welcome back to Coffee and Cream in the morning. It's my main man, AR fifteen, which I shouldn't usually say, but you are in my phone as AR fifteen. Locked and loaded. Well, I the whole Second Amendment thing, right? I just reserve the right to be able to call you what I want. <laughs> Isn't that the First Amendment? <laughs> sure. That, <laughs> wait, freedom of speech. Is that in the First Amendment or the Second Amendment? Because I know the Second Amendment is the right to bear arms. Yeah. Thing. That, yeah. Can I combine them? Can you I? Can, sure. Can I call you one point two? Amen. I don't even know it. <laughs> but with the Nebraska thing, they they say Casey Thompson, comma Jeff Sims, because you've heard the latest reports, and I'm just going to ask myself here shortly. But now, all of a sudden, Casey Thompson appears to be a candidate to participate in spring ball. Yeah, Jeff Sims was the one people are gravitating to but, but, as if, hey, he's the one. Yeah, but 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 wait though, right? Remember, it was. Casey Thompson's going to miss all of spring. How will this? How will this sit? Is he a coach? Is it? But then it's hey, Casey Thompson's a little ahead of schedule. He's a couple weeks ahead of schedule. Now it's Casey Thompson could be a participant in spring ball. If that's the case, Andrew Rogers, does that change the way you feel about the quarterback race? It'll be a lot more competitive. Do you think, if, if you're Casey Thompson, if you're Andrew Casey Thompson Rogers, right? Your parents had an epiphany and they want you to be a quarterback at Nebraska. If you're not 100 my left hand. If you're not 100%, do you go through spring ball? Uh, it, are you, it, do you, it all really depends on. You trust the new guys and uh, say, hey, listen, 
this isn't going to be my best, but I'm going to go through this anyway so I can get the reps. Hey, cool not to critique me? We good? Yeah, we good. Hey, I'm going to be hobbling through this whole thing as a running back. Don't judge me when you compare me to everybody else, okay? We're good? I don't and think that needs to be said, for one. Hey, but you'd two, be su- you, bro, you'd be surprised. You, you would be surprised. See, I think sometimes people are reluctant to not come back until they're 100% because they don't want to be judged otherwise. And they also don't want to be anything less than 100%. But I think a lot of life is functioning at 70%, right? I mean, do you feel 100%? A lot of football is functioning at 70%. How about just regular day-to-day? Do you feel 100% every day? No. You've been hacking for three weeks, right? I don't even know what's going on. Right? So it's like... But I'm here. I do, do it. I do the job. Is it different when it's something physical? I think so, especially in regards to... Remember Kawhi Leonard? His throwing arm? Oh, Kawhi Leonard, you're cleared. Kawhi Leonard, I can't function like I want to. No, Kawhi, you're cleared. No, I can't function what I want to. Oh, man, Kawhi, you just want out. <laughs> right? So it's like when those alpha, like those alpha folks sometimes don't want to be judged until they know that they're full go. You know, it wouldn't shock me either if the late spring played, played into not oh, only Rule's good. hand, but Casey's hand good call. In, in regards to the quarterback competition aspect. Because if they were to start like Michigan started, right, right away, I mean, they're, they're already doing things, right? It's like, um, okay, well, we know Jeff Sims is probably going to be the guy, right? But... Because I've heard all the pre-spring talk. It's since Matt Rule's gotten here, he's been overly gushing about Jeff Sins, and he's been blah about Casey Thompson. That's am I reading into that too much? That's generally speaking what no, we've because heard. It, that's Matt Rule's guy. That's the guy he went after. That's so, the guy he wanted in the portal. So you know, if 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 you're looking at this situation now, all of a sudden he's a viable candidate in spring ball is. Could you foresee Casey Thompson playing in such a way where he's going – he's not going to hurt himself. When the doctors clear him, no. So I, he, Casey Thompson strikes me as the type of quarterback that makes you uncomfortable that he's not playing unless your current quarterback is playing at a high level. Does that make sense? I'm not asking you, And is you, that Shane. because of his IQ? I, I just think he, he's steady. You know, exa- you know what you're getting. I told you, you you're getting 24 and 13. 2,500 yards. Um, sure. I mean, just that's just who he is. Is that similar to so, so say, is it is it any way? Let me let me ask it to you a different way. Is it any way more difficult on Jeff Sims? Because Sims knows he's got to be better than that. Oh yeah. We, see, we don't look at it like that. It's We're a, like, it, I looked at it right away as a competition. From a competition viewpoint, of he knows he's going to have to be better now to withhold the job. So, so specifically, when I say that, I mean, if if I know every night that you're capable of going 12 and 6, 12 points, 6 assists, 1 turnover, I may have a higher ceiling. But every night, I know I have to go minimum 12, 6, and 1. Do you look at that differently? Where you're not going to have a 25-point night and then go for two the next? Now, I know what the average is, so 
don't do that. Right, but. and and I wouldn't play off of average. Um, but if I'm going for 25 a night and then two the next, I don't want that inconsistency. Okay, so that's what I'm – you may – but if I'm going for 25, more times than not, I won't be going for two every night. I'd be going for 25 more times Here, than two. Here's the thing, though, because this is what happens with upside. I see it in recruiting all the time, and I chuckle. Oh, man, the upside, the upside, and I laugh. I'm like, the more times you use the term upside, the more you're going to struggle in the meantime because you're still waiting. All potential ability is is potential, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? At some point, so at some point, upside has it, to get, go out the window. Is it is it is it is it weird to think if you show me you're capable of going for twenty a night that that's the standard that I hold you to? That's what you have to think about when you're critiquing. Uh, when you're critiquing style of play, I remember competing against a guy that had a propensity to put the ball on the carpet, okay? This was early. Two guys, as a matter of fact, had a propensity to put the ball on the carpet. But they were home run hitters. So I'm like, man, I just need to be consistent. And I remember one of the sit-downs. It was, you know, the ability to make the big play. We need to factor that in. We can. And I was like, well, wait a minute. Like, I'm consistent. Yeah, but, you know, the ability to factor in the big play. And so I've kind of grown to think, like, sometimes when you play with an eraser, it can make you lazy as a coach. I've always said this about the quarterback play. When you got a quarterback that when all else fails, he can go make a play for you, sometimes it can make you lazy as an OC because you draw up things with intent of him making a big play. When sometimes – all you simply need is consistency. Right. All Nebraska fans have clamored for probably since second-year Taylor Martinez, and I'm going back a ways, is consistency. I don't want the super highs, the super lows. I just want consistency. Are we now conditioned to just want consistency? When you match upside with creativity though then I think you you're willing to kind of I'm willing to compromise more because when I look at somebody that eclipsed their upside instead of saying like hey you know I'm banking on you making this big play I'm getting lazy maybe in turn in my head I go more toward the hey let me get creative with you now it's kind of a lot like what the Chiefs have been doing with Mahomes are you a are you upside are you a trust guy like no doubt so and I think most coaches are. So if you're if you're a, I got to know who I can trust. Sometimes I think ninety percent of the time it seems like coaches are willing to go with the consistency versus the spectacular because they want to know what they're getting. Does that change the way that you view the quarterback race, or is all of a sudden you th- you trust in Satterfield and the staff that all of a sudden Sims is going to settle down and become more consistent? That's the big word. That is the big word. Lance, hang on. We'll get to you next. Coffee and Cream with Rodgers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. 
Welcome back to the show, 888-638-4876. If you'd like to get involved, it's Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency, alongside Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers. We are live from the H&H Chevrolet stage at Hale Varsity Club. Happy to have you with us and happy to take your calls. Let's go to line one. Lance, you're on the show. Good morning, Lance. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. What you got? Good. Hey. What's up, buddy? I actually think Casey's going to end up being the the starter uh, this next year. Wait, go ahead. Uh, Say that again, Lance. I think Casey's going to be the starter this next year. Okay. Um, And I think especially if he is healthy in the spring, um, the big question that I have is uh, how much actual design QB run game are they going to have? And that probably will indicate who that starter is going to be. Uh, I think Casey prepares well, um, but – if you're going to start a guy like Sims over Casey, who probably completes about 8% less of his passes, uh, if you're not going to design runs for him, I think it's really hard to plan an offense where you're like, well, he may give us a big play on a scramble. And I don't think you're going to pick the guy that's going to play every down based on his ability to scramble in a, in a scramble drill. So let me ask you something, Lance. Do you think that there's a point, and you've been through it all here the la- as a huge fan, didn't we reach a point with, with like, let's say, Adrian Martinez where we just wanted him to be consistent? And then once he was consistent, it was, oh, okay, maybe it's time for a fresh start. We know what we're getting. What's the new shiny thing? With Tommy Armstrong, it was they coined the phrase YOLO balls, right? But when he was good, he was really, really good. Uh, then there was Iowa, right? So we're like, gosh, if you were just consistent. I'm not sure. So I'm just asking these questions rhetorically with, with Andrew because I'm not – I think we have to be careful with wanting upside. Adrian Martinez was a victim of 2018 success, right? Armstrong was a, was a victim of firing a laser on a skinny post to, to, to you know, Kenny Bell. Taylor Martinez was a victim to going 80 against K-State. Like, do we want consistency again or do we not? I think we do. I just don't think we realize it uh, in the moment. So oh, that's a good call. Uh, you know, yeah, I think when you see people make amazing plays, we're like, oh, we fall in love with that. But then when when that's such a small percentage of uh, how the game goes, then you get look over how the course of a season goes. And, like, last year, I think if Casey does not get hurt, that's the most consistent QB play we've seen. I mean, you probably win another two games, not to talk about the, the past, but I think he's the the best we've had in terms of consistency in a really long mm-hmm. time. Because it's easy to fall in love with the big play, whether it be um, Tommy or Taylor or Adrian. I mean, Adrian was probably a victim of his six games as a freshman where we like, we want that guy. And we just, that really over the course of time, we found out that really wasn't him. So I would always go with consistency as long as the consistency is, productive over a guy that might make one or two plays uh, every couple of games. Let me ask you something. I'll get you out of here in this last night. I appreciate the call. Is that the book? Cause you're around a lot of football guys close to the program. Is that your sphere of influences, general consensus, or are you kind of on an Island? Um, I think from what I hear, like the, if you can get that sort of play, and, and the caveat is you're not going to run the ball uh, a ton, like team guaranteed QB runs, then that's very 
high level quarterback play. Um, now, if you're if you're going to move to where you're going to run the ball more um, and and scheme just a bunch of QB run games, then you're probably going to look at at Sims. But you know, from what I was heard last year from talking to people close to the program, um, Casey had a lot of places where he should have probably been running the ball and told me he had to keep it, mm-hmm. and we didn't see that a lot. So if we could get that a little more, but with the consistency in the throwing game, I think Casey's the guy. Lance, appreciate the call. Thanks I so much. He's the first one on record I've heard say that. I'll the, tell you, the I, very first one I've heard I'll say. tell you in regards to the Adrian Martinez comment, and you mentioned 2018, um, big year, comes back, high expectation, articles were written, future Heisman, he's on the list, and expectation was set. Six, six to that's, one odds. That's what people read into. And it goes back to what we talk about with recruits a lot, DB, is you have a lot of hype. You have to reach a certain expectation, and now you're all of a sudden feeling that pressure. And can you overcome that pressure to meet the expectation that people want you to meet instead of just finding that consistent baseline like you were kind of talking about? So the caveat, I don't know how you feel about this without real-life examples, but the caveat, I know what coaches would probably say. They'd probably say, yes, consistency is great, but – there's six to seven. There's a handful of plays a game that a quarterback's got to be able to make to win the game. That is out of the cons- for lack of a better term, the consistency mold. Is that that seems you. like what a coach would tell me? Hey, there's a handful of plays though, and and that guy has got to be capable of making them. Do you go from? Three and nine, four and eight, two and ten per se, and get there by leapfrogging consistency and go to upside. I don't think so. I don't think you get there like that. You may be on the border of being consistent with the upside guy, but I don't think you get straight to the upside that you're looking for unless you get some consistency first. And that's what needs to be established in spring. Come spring, figuring out through spring who's going to be the guy that brings you consistency so that you can start to build back toward where you want to go. Matt Rule's not a guy that will turn it around in year one and just make you go 12-0, and 10-2. Not to say that he can't be that guy. It's just track record shows that he's doesn't, that's not how it works with him. Mm. It's a slow burn to get there yes he mentioned before that the slow burn happened last year and he doesn't want to say hey we're going to go three and nine this season but you have to establish a form of consistency before you can even talk upside with this program yeah you know it's different because they have so many new players i'm just i'm thinking as you're talking to me and i'm like okay when did I start talking about Nebraska needs better players? Well, I almost, I barely ever did, except for a handful of games. I remember Oklahoma this year. I was like, oh, my gosh. They have nobody for that guy. They have nobody for that guy. And then I watched Oklahoma the rest of the year, and I was like, 
God, was Nebraska's psyche and morale that shook after one week of a coaching change where, okay, throw that one out the window. Um, they played Ohio State tough and Lincoln last year. Remember that? And we were like, what in the world is Ryan Day doing? I still didn't talk about talent. But it, there were some plays over the course of the season where I was like, ah, their guys are just better than our guys. So I'm factoring all that in when I'm listening to you ask me the question. I think what Nebraska misses the most is consistency. They do. So I'm with you there. I just wonder what happens. So do we say, so what I say it like this, let's just get consistent in playing good football and we'll worry about getting difference makers later? Is that what you're asking me? Yeah, like is that, because I told you when Keku's Kevin on Twitter told me this, Years ago, this is probably, I don't know, it just started. It's probably 10 years ago. He's like, oh, man, you know, it's a lot easier to go from 4 to 8 than it is from 8 to 10 in terms of wins. We were having these conversations about Coach Pelini. And I, I definitely think he's right, right? I, I think 4 to 8, going from 4 to 8 is all about consistency. I do. I, so I'm kind of, I firmly believe that. 8 to 10 is more about higher end talent. Get consistency, discover playmakers later. Yes. To answer your question. Yeah. Yeah. So did it surprise you that a couple of our guys in the DMs thought that last week when we were talking about this that five wins would be disappointing next year? I was surprised that was the response. Mm-hmm. Right, because we got into it, and I was like, oh, you know, if Coach Rule goes five and seven, and you said, well, he's not going to say that out loud, but if there's progress to be made, right. then he'd probably take five and seven. And other people said, no, I'm not taking five and seven. Isn't that weird, though? That's more wins than Coach Frost ever got. And when's the, when's the last time we won five? Was it 19? Long time ago. Well, I mean, it's not that long, but it's long. It feels long. It, when it you're winning three and four long. games ago, and I can't remember, but maybe that's just more me. Would f- is five wins disappointing? Not if there's progress made. So you want consistent. I, I, I'm just – At the end of the day, it all starts and ends with consistency. So how do me. we – so going back to that quarterback ranking, did it surprise you that Tanner Morning we were talking this originally started with Athlon's article about ranking the Big Ten quarterbacks. Did it surprise you that Tanner Mordecai, Mordecai at Wisconsin came in number two? See, I think we looked at different rankings because my rankings did not have him at two. The one that I looked at. So are you talking about – you're talking about Athlon's ranking Mm -hmm. the Big Ten quarterbacks. Yep. Athlon's QB rankings. Yeah, I got the early 2023 QB preview and rankings. So I think they're two different articles. Wow, from the the same people, huh? Yeah, because two on this list is Tunga Vailoa. Well, he's one on this one. And then JJ's one on this one. McCarthy. I mean, just right there, talk about how even writers from the same platform – can't figure out who's coming first. I'm on, and I'm on your article now, and I kept the other one open. So they went, they went McCarthy, Tua, then McCord. Mm-hmm. See, McCord is like six on the other and one, and that's why I said high or expectation for him. Hey, we'll talk to Joel Lorenzi next. 
Coffee and Cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. Welcome back to the show, 9 o'clock, which means if you're tuning in in Lincoln, you can catch us now. KFOR 9 to 10 over in Lincoln, 590 ESPN Omaha from 7 to 10, Monday through Friday. We're live on Twitter, we're live on YouTube, and we are happy to have you with us. Before we get to our next guest, I'd like to tell you about Dingman's Collision Center. Dingman's Four locations throughout the metro area, along with a standalone mechanical shop at 120th and Maple. I actually drove by a Dingman's over the weekend, which I'm like, wow, I didn't even know Dingman's was right here. But there they were over in Papillion, right across from the Beanery, another great sponsor of the show. But Dingman's has been in the business for over 25 years, and you're not in the business that long unless you're doing something right. They treat the customer with respect, and they make sure to get the job done promptly and effectively. If you need or have any issues with your car, head over to Dingman's. They're family-owned and family-run local business. We support local. Go to Dingman's Collision Center for any car needs. Let's change gears and talk Creighton basketball with our guy, Joel Lorenzi, here as we do every Tuesday morning on the show. Joel, good morning. Good morning, guys. What's going on? Well, you know, I, I just... I, I finally get to talk about Lillard going for 71 and going LeBron 13. getting hurt. Yeah, that's going to be. getting hurt. Hey, so let, let's start right there just real quick before we Andrew, dabble. Why, why, why are you doing that? Hold on. Andrew, why are you doing that? <laughs> man, why, why are you just saying something from Dane to dudes getting injured? Come on, man. You don't want to lighten up anymore. <laughs> hey, LaMelo's my guy. Yeah, that is true. I have, I have seven rookie cards of LaMelo Ball. Seven. Hey, how? Oh, what's the what's the irony? I'll give you one that those guys were tied to. Because remember, I remember the Lakers thought that Lonzo was in trouble for wearing big baller brand sneakers, which is why he was having the knee problems. He can't get that thing put back together. Then his 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 brother goes down with a non-contact injury. Uh, do they need to be wearing different shoes? What are we talking? I'm kind of being facetious here, Joel, but you think there's are something you? to that? Maybe Lonzo should have been wearing different shoes, but Melo, he got his own signature with Puma. Um, I think it's I think it's part of the way he plays. Man, I I just you feel bad for a dude cuz it's one of the more fun players. Um, and one of the more promising stars in the league, man. Uh, just, just sad. And you know what? Um, I guess the the one silver lining in it is that they're they're up there in the in the Wimby sweepstake. That's for sure. Yeah, he Wimbanyana. He is a uh, boy. Do you do you need a certain frame to function in the NBA? Do you think or? Because of that skill, you think there can be more than one KD kind of Dirk with that long, angular, no mass kind of build. Bar injuries, he's going to be good. I, I know that that video of him getting posted up um, was circulating last weekend. That doesn't matter, man. I mean, um, people still got to guard this dude, and he was shooting. And we're talking, we're talking about at the beginning of the the season, he was shooting floaters from from three off one leg. Um, the skill on his dude at his age is is remarkable. Uh, so people have to guard him. And then on the other end, he's still um, a lethal, you know, help defender and a rim protector. I mean, seems we want one on one right now because of his weight. Um, obviously, he might not be 
super suitable to check a Giannis or Embiid, but he'll get there. Um, and I mean, truthfully, who can check Embiid, Giannis one on one? All right, so let me uh, let's stay in the post because we've been talking about his statistics and the lack of double digit field goal attempts per game with Kalkbrenner. How much of that is is in your opinion on on Coach Mack to be firm in terms of paint touches and how they need to play? versus Kalk needing to be a little bit more assertive with his repertoire while he's on the blocks? Well, well something I think lately is um, they found themselves, I think that especially you look at the past two games, uh, I think when they end up down or in those scenarios, um, obviously I don't think they panic, but they kind of get that sense like, okay, uh, we need to, to run through Kalkbrenner now and uh, – I think teams have adjusted to that, uh, those moments. Um, and when Creighton gets in those moments, uh, you can tell because they start forcing it to Kalkbrenner and, and there come the, the errant, you know, post uh, entries. And um, I, I, I think the entry passes have not been great over the past uh, few games. And it's led to turnover after turnover. I think you saw it a lot in that Marquette game. Um, and I think teams have just decided to defend Cogbender differently because obviously he's not one who's going to catch it and then do his work after um, catching the ball. He's going to do most of the work before catching the ball to score. Um, and so uh, I think now teams are, you know, waiting for that that errant lob to him mm-hmm. um, in the post and catching him underneath, you know, sneaking someone along the baseline. Um Making sure a help defender catches him when he when he catches it on the road. Like people have found ways to defend him. I think in part is the way that they pass it to him. Um, just different things. I think teams are just catching up and finding a way to to defend the way he scores now. Let me steal one more while we're talking, Cog. Before, um, so does Creighton need to adjust the way that that's played offensively with Kalkbrenner or defensively with Kalkbrenner? And maybe starting to need to do something with the drop drop coverage in terms of how they want to play ball screens because it appears that the scouting report is is left them a little vulnerable to how that Creighton wants to keep him in the middle of the floor. Well, it's like it's like the the Bucks in the regular season, right? Like um, your bread and butter wins you most games, but there's going to be a game here and there where you lose because of your bread and butter. Um, and there's his, his job, just like the Bucks. Um, and I thought, I mean, this is the thing. Eric Dixon, I, I don't think he'll ever go for 31 in college again. Um, he had a hell of a game, career performance. Um, if that's the way you lose, I mean, yeah, like, what, what can you do, right? Um, and Nova, I think people, for those who haven't kept up with Nova, Nova has flipped the switch and recently, and I think started with the game in Omaha uh, because obviously getting more back in the fold changes things. Um, but man, like, like they won a game in which he scored in the single digits, though. And I get his presence on the floor, but virtually a, an, an offensive non-factor unless he was unless he was setting the initial ball screen to help the drop against the drop coverage. That was kind of him and Daniel's work the other night. Yeah. I, I think Villanova did a good job recovering when when he was the one setting that the that first ball screen. If he if he ended up setting like a pin down or you know something to 
a second action that, that Villanova had to scramble to to defend because the shooter was coming off uh, real quick. Then that's when I thought he had got looks, but that, I didn't see that too much throughout the game. But but uh, defensively, I think I mean that's why I lost the game was Dixon's thirty one, and that's just um, I think a lot of it is Creighton giving up all those paint touches. Um, and he feels as a big man. I mean, I, I watch big men so closely because that I think that's my favorite mode of, of player in in history. Um, you know, when when you're a rim protector and you got a, a knack for protecting the rim, blocking shots, being a presence like he like he is. Um, you know, paint touches your teammates align paint touches. It makes you itch, man. You want to get back to where you like to be on the floor. And with Dixon lighting him up like that, um, you could tell he was itching. He was like, "Damn, man, he's he's letting letting them break the perimeter." Like, I I gotta I gotta show real quick at the rim, and it it, it killed him a lot. Dixon went for twenty the first time around, and he did it in the paint. I know he shot one of six yep. from three, but in in the in the first one, but that's two games now where he's gone for fifty one. It's not by accident. Yeah. Um, D- Dixon's a, a tricky matchup. And you've seen, um, I think, Kalk Brenner, and obviously some of the earlier matchups were due to him being sick or whatever, but um, you've seen some dudes um, score on Kalk Brenner one-on-one down there this year. I think that's kind of been tricky for him because he's one that likes to defend without fouling, so he's not. Yeah. He's probably not going to get into you as much as somebody else. Um, but, yeah, Dixon, uh, Dixon uh, was killing in that second half in the first game, just getting to the line, uh, getting into I, I think he's a tricky matchup. I think Creighton really has to watch out for a guy of his mold, um, whether that's, you know, a smaller, non-traditional big that could um, kind of dribble pitch and and maybe score some in the post and uh, like stretch the floor. I know it's. Uh, I'm saying all that, and it it sounds like a rare mold, but it's possible for them to run somebody like the, like mm-hmm. that in the tournament. Even just somebody who can maybe score a couple times in the post and stretch the floor. Because I think um, obviously once you pull Cogburner from the rim, um, all, all all the bad things you know you open Pandora's box, man. We're talking to Joel Lorenzi, Creighton beat for the Omaha World Herald at Joe J, excuse me, JX Lorenzi on Twitter. Joel, we got into this conversation yesterday about the two teams in the state and who feels better about the state of their program right now. Is it Nebraska because of what they've been able to accomplish and the wins that are piling up but they're still on the outskirts of making the tournament or is it Creighton in regards to hey they still have postseason you know it in the window like they, they know that that's coming they can see it out in the distance but to avoid going uh, with with more of that question I want to ask you this because in regards to the whole state of the program point that I was trying to make there if you don't get to the Sweet 16, if you don't get to the Elite Eight, if you don't get to the Final Four, which expectation was set for Creighton this year, is that an underwhelming season for this team? Um, I think in a lot of cases, yes. Um, I, I have to see the path to to the Sweet 16 or whatever. Um, <clears throat> but if, yeah, I'll talk about I'll talk about this with somebody yesterday. 
if they just lay an egg in a, in a tournament, then hell yeah. But if, um, you know, if something, you know, if they have some misfortune like they've had in recent years, I won't, I won't, uh, speak that on them. But, uh, you know, if they have some misfortune with, with injuries or, you know, if they, uh, I don't know, if they, if, if they end up having something to where it's out of their control, then that maybe, uh, but it's so interesting because you want to give the team credit for, you know, putting themselves back in position to even go on the run after that six game losing streak in December, right? Where people were ready to uh, give it all up. And, and now they're, they're here. Um, but yeah, there, there are a lot of scenarios where I'd say um, this season could end up a disappointment. Uh, if they don't go on a run. So uh, the, some of the positives, and I go back to, you and I always talk about, it, it's, and inevitably it comes up about Coach Mack and this staff's ability to recalibrate and get players right, right? I gave you the analogies a couple weeks ago. King going from not playing to still playing to being functional when he does play. Sharif, his ability to hit the on and off switch when maybe minutes aren't consistent. Uh, just the Jedi mind tricks that he's been able to play. How about the bounce back game from Kaluma after getting benched for 15 minutes? He comes back to have the impressive performance he did. Is it possible, Joel, to get Trey, Art, and Nemhard contributing to their skill sets in the same game against good caliber competition? Um, it's, it's really, really tough. Like that ends up being a perfect day, I think, um, because Cogburn is supposed to be the one constant, right? So that's one guy, uh, that, you know, you're, you're assuming is going to do well in the box for but then, um, you know, it's always like at least two of these dudes that are going to perform on a given day. Cause that's just the way this game goes. Um, and I'm not sure. I can't remember the, the last time all three of those sophomores killed in the same game, truthfully, uh, it definitely seems like the games that Kaluma pops off are not the same games that the backcourt is, you know, standing out. Joel, look at the importance of winning out here because you have DePaul on deck, you have Georgetown obviously coming up on Wednesday, uh, but where it sits today, Creighton is looking in as a four seed in the Big East tournament, and that would have them facing UConn. But is their path easier if they get to three? If they went out and they end up being a three seed, say Providence finds a way to lose that spot in the Big East tournament, does that give Creighton the best chance at winning the Big East? Um, as opposed to UConn on the first day, hell yeah. Um, I think they know they don't want to. They probably don't want to play UConn that first day. I think that's the type of mold of team that that is this bothered them. Um, obviously, UConn pretty much punked them in stores. And um, here, it took a lot to win that game. Um, here, um, very ugly game. So Jordan Hawkins stood on the line. It took a lot to win that game. Um, and say what you want about UConn sliding their league play, but. Um, they're still a good team, man. At their best, they're a good team, and and Sonogo, 
still finds ways to to get it done against Creighton. Um, and they got weapons, man. I mean, even even um, Andre Jackson can turn any shot into a floater. So um, I think that's the team they don't want to play on the first day. That's for sure. Um, any other route would be a better route. Yes. When when you're taking a look at kind of the 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 conference from top to bottom, in terms of what's made teams successful, who has the most left? And maybe upside isn't the word, but who has the most left in terms of hitting peak performance? Uh, in, in regards, wait, repeat your question. So you know we've seen the whole, almost the whole body of seasonal work from the Big East, right? We'll start Big East tournament play. Who has the most left to be different than what we've seen up to this point? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, in terms of. The conference top to bottom? Yeah. It got to be Nova, um, just because I think people still haven't caught on to them. Uh, I will say, um, obviously, like, their only – their biggest tournament is their lifeline. Like, if they don't go all the way, then we, we're not seeing them in the tournament, most likely. Can, I, I, can, I don't want to bet my house on that, so. Do they have uh, Do they have a lot left in the tank without Archie Diakono being that guy at the point? I think so, man. That, that, I mean, so I think that's the that's the, they're the easy answer. But the thing that concerns me with them is, I think you know what you've got to do with them, right? It's 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 a it's a four man show, and you got to get better point guard play. I I I'm listening to be convinced otherwise, though. Yeah, uh, I think I mean more the other day the way they dismantled Creighton and, and more had eight assists and. Obviously, a lot of that is knowing where Eric Dixon was, but um, he he set a lot of that up. I mean, it was tactical, and um, I think they could ride that at least through the Big East tournament. I mean, they got ways to beat teams. Um, as for you know the teams at the top, who has another gear level to be reached? Um, I don't know. Maybe I don't know because Marquez is pretty much peaking right now. I mean, they're number six in the country. I, I would have said Marquette, but people are giving them a lot of credit now. So it's hard to say they could be better than what they've <laughs> been. Could I, I convince you that Marquette. it's UConn? I think there's a case. That was another team I was thinking of. I think there's a case. I think people have forgotten how good UConn was because of the way they slid in, in league play. Uh, I think people can't forget that at their peak, man. They're, they're still a good team. Joel, it all started for this team as the deepest team in Coach Max 13 years in Omaha. And then you look at the how's it going portion of that, and it's the fewest bench points averaged in the Big East. What do you make of the bench's minor progression and then regression this year, and how much do you think depth plays into this point of the season uh, and so forth as March approaches? Yeah, um, I'm not sure I've seen anything like it um, from, you know, going into summer saying it was the deepest team ever uh, to now, you know, um, a month ago, people were were laughing at that. Um, and, and obviously, the some of the reserves have made strides, uh, but still probably... Not enough, not enough to where you're confident about them going, you know, eight, 
nine deep in the tournament run, right? Like just just enough to where I think now you like they they come in the game and and your blood pressure is up if you're a Creighton fan. Like I think Mason Miller has played really good minutes um, when they've had to sit Art in recent weeks. Sharif has, has done what he you know, what he's supposed to. I think Farabello is still probably troublesome, but beyond the shooting, he, I think he does what he's supposed to. Um, but it's important at this time of year, man. They need they need at least one of these dudes to have good minutes uh, in the in these tournaments, or they're not going to go far. Frankly, you cannot ride five dudes the whole way. It's just it, it feels impossible. I I haven't seen that before. Joel, appreciate your time this morning. Thanks so much. We will talk again next week. Thanks, guys. Hey, and shout out Dame. I don't like. I don't like how y'all. Uh, <laughs> I try. I, I, I want. I wanted to go there because my kid loves his game, man. And I, I wanted to go there. Thirteen to twenty-two from behind the arc, man. Seventy-one. Uh, he's something else. He is. Yeah. I loved how yeah, he said, "You better, you better never let me win a title in Portland either." Can you imagine just Dame going ham if Portland ever won anything? Well, you ain't got to worry about that. <laughs> All right, big stretch here for Anthony Davis. He may have to carry the Laker franchise for a while, man. Oh, boy. You know, I'm a DM you. We'll talk about it. All right, buddy. (laughs) See you, Joel. All right, man. (laughs) That's Joel Lorenzi, Creighton B for the Omaha World Herald. (laughs) Uh, Let's just say uh, Donovan Mitchell's mom had something to say about Dame going for 71. Dude, Rip rip City. Mm -hmm. I sat next to a a guy, a gentleman at uh, Micah's basketball game last week that had on a Rip City hat. And it was, I, I said, hey, I'm a total stranger. <laughs> I know I look off the beaten path, man, but that hat is pretty sweet. You just don't see it very much. I'm going to multitask this weekend. I'm going to watch girls basketball while I'm on the road because I am going to attend the Bucks 76ers game you, this week. You were flirting. With, so what, put, what sent you over the edge? Um, I don't really know. I think it's because... My fiance, so Ashley's brother lives in Milwaukee, and I don't get to see him all that much. So I thought maybe kill two birds with one stone, go up, catch the game that I was looking forward to with some buddies, and also see him at the same time. Yeah, you're you're arguably watching two of the more taken for granted great and then players. Goes to- <laughs> two of them, yeah, that's true. You would have been watching two of the more taken for granted great players in the NBA. Chris people, Middleton and James Harden. People sleep on Joel Embiid, how good he is and how consistent his greatness is. They trust the process. Man. Or yeah. as Coach Gabinette over in Omaha would say, trust the process. <laughs> oh, I like Gab's that. You know, <laughs> I'm <laughs> north of the border, man. It's, we blame Canada. That accent is fantastic. <laughs> I don't even mess with that dude anymore. <laughs> I just don't. You're tired of him. You got tired of Shane. I cut him. At 7.30 this morning. I cut him off first segment. It's a funny thing. So I I just wonder if if Creighton can figure out a way to get Kaluma Nemhart. I mean, some of those guys, their game is predicated on dribbling. And I just you just can't have that many guys dribble all the time and have Creighton be Creighton. They kind of have a little bit of a dilemma. I said it yesterday with Robbie. they They got away from their identity. They could get better feeds inside the call printer if they passed more and shifted the defense that way. Mm. Hey, we didn't get to talk about pace of play. Let's do that next.
here on Coffee and Cream. Coffee and Cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Anybody see the ending of the Red Sox Braves spring training spring training game over the weekend? Did yeah, I, I think I, I sent that to you, right? Oh yeah, you did send that to I me. I did send that to you. So it ended in the bottom of the ninth. Braves were rolling, scored three to tie it. Bases loaded, two out, three two count, and Cal Conley's controller died. <laughs> he was not alert to the pitcher by the eight-second mark of the pitch timer and was therefore assessed an automatic strike game over because they chose not to go to extra innings, which you can do in spring training. Call it a teachable moment? Sure. All involved were warned that there would be no grace period with regard to the new rules. I'm still struggling to figure out, though, what the MLB is accomplishing by doing this, though, because you are... DB, you're a big desired outcome guy. Yeah. What's What's the desired outcome? Yeah, what is the desired outcome? That is exactly right. Are you doing more harm or good to baseball fans here? Are you trying to aggravate fans by speeding up the game, or are you trying to gain more fans? And I, I, I was going back and forth with this until I started really diving into games this past week because over the weekend it hit me like a truck, right? The pitch clock, I'm like... Look, I get you're speeding up the game. You're saving what seems right now as 30 minutes time by having the pitch timer. I, I get the idea behind it, but what are you accomplishing? Is the, is the goal to speed up the game? Like, Is that really like what you're trying to accomplish? Are, is your mind right by just saying like this is the goal this year? Is just to speed up games, to make things faster? Well, are you going to gain more fans? You're not going to gain more baseball fans by speeding up the game. I don't know about that. You won't. If you're a baseball fan, you would have been a baseball fan from the start. So, um, by making a pitcher throw faster, you're not going to get Joe Schmo off the street to say I like baseball. Yes or no? You're not. I don't think you. I think you're not trying to get Joe. I don't think you're trying to grab Joe Schmo. I think you're trying to grab the casual fan and make them a permanent fan. So you have to ask the casual fan, what is it that they don't like about the game? And we can argue whether that has any validity or not, or the type of commissioner that baseball has. Because I think ultimately we look at some of these rule changes and we look at where they've come from and we don't like him as a commissioner. So I think it skews our judgment. But I will say this. There are a lot of, if you're trying to grow the younger audience or bring more eyeballs to baseball, pace of play is an issue. So, can we agree on that? Yeah, sure. So, I'm not, like if, I said, I told you from the start if, of the show. If pace of play is an issue, how do we help expedite the pace of play? Right? I mean... If people are watching baseball and they're not 50 years old, if they're not me, will they understand why Nomar Garcia Parra would, would, would fasten, refasten his batting gloves 17 times before stepping into the batter's box? Could, could, could people gravitate towards that? I don't know. But I do know it's things like that while, why people looked at pace of play. 
you look at television windows, you look at inventory, you look at what people want to pay for and what they don't. And and I just think they had to take a look at it. And I mean, it's it's twenty second sample time, it's fifteen seconds sample time. I'll tell you time. what, I'm watching those games that that I it don't seems know but so rushed. Like you throw the ball back to the pitcher and it almost seems like they're stressing out about getting set again well, to throw a pitch. So you have some guys that are ready to work. Some yeah, guys like aren't. Max Scherzer. But but I ready to go fast. I wonder how much of that and I don't know cuz I'd have to see it more. Like just to see if I really think it's fast or is it just because it's fast compared to what I'm watching. Man, I'm You know cuz I just watched the 7 6 I just watched Dodgers Padres yesterday and I'm thinking to myself it didn't really dawn on me that it was um, a f- rushed until I got it because the Dodgers threw six pitchers one inning apiece. <laughs> so it's like – or something right. like that. I can't remember right off the top of my head. But it's like did it seem fast to me because it was fast or did it seem fast to me because it's faster than what I'm used to watching? That That's like will you train your eye it's, to it's, adjust? It's hard for me because that's what I played. Like I played the sport that wasn't timed. Yeah. So now you're you're bringing it. I know what I know what the MLB is accomplishing. You put it perfectly because I asked for the desired outcome, and I think you hit it on the head. You're looking to make the casual fan a permanent fan. Yep. But what are you doing to the permanent fans in the meantime? Yeah. So that's, I, that's, that's the part. I, so that's what I don't know, though. So if I'm an old head, do I like the fact that Manny Machado takes? Four minutes to get in the batter's box? I don't think I like that either. There are, there are aspects of the game that can be sped up, but I don't think it needed to be thrown up like this. Sped up games is not a bad idea, and at least they have the entire – I mean, they have a lot of games to, you know, to figure it out, figure out what they want to do. But in today's world, with everything being on so, so much in demand, like everything just being at a touch of your finger to where – yeah, I don't know. This game's just taken to you know. I can go to something else. You, you, I mean, there's a lot of people that want to get in more than one game. You know, with the later games starting over on the West Coast. I mean, it's just so. Just baseball's never been a fast game. Yeah, and but, I know what but, they but, were what? trying to get back to. I, I heard a lot of old heads as you just you talked about because I was listening to national radio when they were taking callers from all over the U.S. And the majority of people I heard was, well, we want the in-game stuff to be faster. And what they mean by that is more hit and runs, more stolen bases, more things like that. So they want more action. That doesn't, in turn, lead to speed and length of the game. Because now it just seems rushed again. Everything just goes back for me to the feeling of being rushed. I watched Colton Wong's at bat the other day in the Brewers game. And I I felt like he was was swinging the bat. You know, three times in 25 seconds. I think the word. And I'm like, holy cow, this seems so fast. Everything seems rushed. Sorry, I know, and it's not my show, but I just want to say one more it's thing. Your, it's your show. Um, I think the worst when they speed up a game is when you're there in person. Okay, so let me ask you something. More Here. action in person, I think, isn't a bad idea, though. Doesn't it sound strange to say out loud, though, that if I've been watching this game for a while, like let's say I'm in my 50s or 60s, and it's obvious baseball needs to get younger. I don't, I don't think pace of play bothers those folks in terms of not wanting to expedite it. I think they want quicker games. 
I, I think those folks harken back to when guys used to throw nine innings and you didn't stop games to bring in situational relievers every other inning or to only throw to one batter, which is why they put in a two-batter minimum. I think if you're talking to older generational baseball guys, I think they want pace. Don't you? It was always played with pace. It's okay. Pace is good with me, but is it too fast? Really, at the end of the day, that's what it boils down to for me. I wish I knew. I, I don't have enough. And again, I've only probably watched eight or nine preseason games. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe double it's digits. It's a small sample size. I can't tell if my, my eye is just not DB, it's a small sample free. size, but the average nine-inning game right now is two hours and 39 minutes. Yeah. That's so fast. It's like, it's fast relative to the slow motion was better than no motion that we were watching before. Because, Drew Down, we struggled to integrate international players with Americans to play this game in terms of celebrations. You, I mean, we you get the... You get guys that would comment on, well, such and such a player, and I the flair, and just play baseball, and I don't need the theat. Like the old new guard in baseball had a hard enough time just blending the sport in terms of the no fun police versus staunch purists. So, so that was one thing, and I think a lot of the sentiment is all lumped together now. It's. It's too much of the other stuff and not enough actual baseball, which I think, and I'm speculating, I think it's driven the bus for pace of play. For pitching, and, and this is what, I, what I'll end with here, for pitchers out there, the more that they rush, the better chance they have of getting hurt because they are going to, to have to speed up themselves. And a lot of times you can't go deep into ball games. If your arm's going to, you know, give out on you, you're going to have to, like, not show as much velo right away Mm -hmm. because you're not going to be able to keep pumping and pumping and pumping and pumping by the time you get to the fourth through the sixth inning. The first three innings, you'll be fine. But as you start to tire, you're going to make them keep going faster and faster to meet that pace. I I don't know. Look, it's better to be uncomfortable right now than it is on opening day. Mm -hmm. So I have a month to kind of settle with this. Like I said, I'm not completely blinded to my personal opinion here. I think pace can be a good thing. I want it to be executed the right way, though. And I just don't know if I feel good about it just yet. Yeah, I have to hold that thought for, like, the beginning of the season to I see if it's just quick to be quick or just that it's quicker than it normally has been. Kyle Austin, Michigan State basketball reporter, up next. and Crane with Rodgers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. On the college basketball regular season. Hogard around a screen. Hogard. Hauser. Open. Got it. Another Michigan State three. I'm sure Michigan State fans would like to forget that game, Shane. So, way to bring that back into their head. It's Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency, alongside Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers. Happy to have you with us as we wind down the show. We do so by going around the Big Ten. We like to do a Big Ten whip, and today's guest is Kyle Austin, Michigan State basketball reporter for M Live at Kyle B. Austin on Twitter. Kyle, good morning. Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, good morning. 
Hey, let's start here because uh, Shane brought us in with a Iowa-Michigan State basketball clip after blowing the 10-point lead with 40 seconds to play. Michigan State finds themselves at PBA now, an environment that hasn't been easy to play in during the month of February. How quickly have you seen the Spartans put that loss behind them, or do you think it will be haunting them early in this matchup? You know, that's that's probably my biggest question coming into this because, um, you know, this is a team that's, that's had some ups and downs throughout the year, but they're pretty veteran, they're pretty experienced, so I haven't really seen them ride the emotional roller coaster. But at the same time, I, I've never seen anything like what happened on Saturday uh, at Carver-Hawkeye Arena, you know, giving up an 11-point lead uh, with less than a minute to go and – being in that locker room afterwards, uh, those guys were crushed. You know, they it felt like an NCAA tournament loss or something like that. Just knowing how close they were to such a big win and how quickly it slipped away, it was kind of a sense of disbelief. So, um, if there's ever a game that could that could lead to kind of a hangover afterwards, it, it was that game. So, yeah, I, I do think there's a significant danger of that. I know Tommy's always talked about, you know, working him through that and helping him avoid that. We haven't had a chance to see him or talk to him since then, so I, I can't really say where they stand right now. But um, I, I do think that's a pretty significant concern for Michigan State. It's interesting as I kind of watch this team go. I remember early in the season and in the preseason, you know, Tyson Walker was a guy that, that Tom Izzo had to implore to shoot the basketball more, kind of empower, hey, listen, this is what we need you to do. And, I'm not sure whether he's Charlie Bell or Keith Appling or a combination of both or whatever Tyson Walker is in his evolution. But do you remember a time in which you've seen a guard emerge the way that Walker has from the his original starting point within an offense? Not really, no. But I think a lot of that has to do with um, both how comfortable he's gotten and, and how his role's changed. Uh, when he first got here, they were asking him to be a point guard. And, you know, he was really focused on the, the pass first, run the offense, don't focus on my scoring. And he was also an up transfer. And he was a guy that had done very well at Northeastern, but was moving up from, you know, the, the Colonial to the Big Ten, which is a huge jump. And, and he's pretty undersized, you know, only at 6'2". So he had, he had a lot of things that I think he was trying to figure out. So, that's why he was he was pretty slow last year to get started. I think people could see it in him, but it was just a a, a matter of him getting comfortable um, and learning kind of how to play in the Big Ten and pick his spots. And then, you know, coming into this year, uh, AJ Hogarth really emerged. He's yeah. been the lead point guard, and that's allowed them to move Tyson Walker off the ball. And now he can focus totally on his scoring. He's pretty much just a shooting guard at this point. Um, and they've asked him to, to take on that scoring role and be the guy. And he, he dropped 31 at Iowa. He dropped 30 earlier this year against Purdue. Um, he really um, has a chance to – he has the ability, I should say, to, to heat up better than any player I've seen in a while. And, and when he starts seeing his shots fall, he can really change the game. Kyle, we're two weeks removed from the tragic shooting that took place on Michigan State's campus. There's no owner's man- excuse me, manual on how to respond to a tragedy like that one. Uh, in response to the immediate events, though, MSU canceled their game against Minnesota, and now we're hearing it won't be made up. And, you know, I don't know enough about Big Ten rescheduling this late in the season, and I'm sure you've probably read at least deeply into it now because this situation happened. But it was definitely the right move to postpone 
But what do you make of the recent announcement to not make it up? I mean, it feels a little unjust and leaves a bad taste in the mouth, does it not? Yeah, you know, it's unfortunate because you're right. It, it had to be postponed, but um, it, it feels now like Michigan State is getting punished in a way because that was their only game against Minnesota. Um, you know, that's certainly the closest thing to the easiest win on the schedule, um, so to speak, a game against Minnesota at home. So they're losing that. They're, they have one fewer game than everybody else. And you look at the Big Ten standings, I mean, that half game there, that one game in the win column, um, could be the difference between several seats for them and a pretty significant change in the draw in the Big Ten tournament. So um, Michigan State really wanted it. Um, it was going to be complicated. Several games were going to have to move around. I know Tommy Zoe was frustrated that the Big Ten didn't kind of take charge and make it happen, but it's unfortunate that it kind of feels at this point like Michigan State uh, got the short end of it. Kyle, help me here. I don't know if it's because I think Izzo is is just known to make these late February, early March runs, and that's what I'm expecting. But it seems like Michigan State still has more in the tank. I always look at this time of year in terms of teams that have room to grow as they get ready to hit postseason play. doesn't seem like Michigan State has hit on all cylinders yet. Fact, fiction, scary, if so. I would agree with that. Um, you know, they were they struggled with health for a lot of the season. Um, Jaden Akins, who's their um, one of their starters right now, missed the whole preseason and several games in the fall. So he kind of took a while to get going. Uh, and then Malik Hall, who's their sixth man, but really starting caliber forward, um, he was he was out uh, at a couple different points, including in January, right after they played Nebraska there. So um, this is really the first time they've been healthy for several weeks. And, you know, they could have pulled out Saturday. They would have won four out of five and I think been one of the hottest teams along with Nebraska um, in the Big Ten. Um, but they're really close. And this is what Tom Izzo keeps saying. He, he was up there yesterday talking to us and said, we're really this close, you know. Um, their offense has gotten better. Um, and, you know, they're in all these games. They really only got blown out by Purdue on the road. They're in these games, and they're, they're like a lot of teams in the Big Ten, I think. They're trying to figure out how to – how to kind of put it all together and how to close. But I would agree, just based on their personnel and the fact that they're fully healthy and, and winning more games than they were a month ago, um, I, I think the team does have the potential to go on a run here late. Kyle, I don't know how much you pay attention to bracketology, but Michigan State in the east portion of the bracket right now is a seven currently. Um, but they're with Purdue and K-State as the one and two, opposed to being with Bama and Texas and Houston and Baylor and uh, Kansas and UCLA. And, uh, of course, all of that is subject to change. But as of right now, if things ended up like this and Michigan State found themselves in the east, do you prefer that draw as a Michigan State fan opposed to the other three? Yeah, I mean, I just look at if you know if you are a seven, who's the two that you're going to potentially play? And um, listen, if you're a two seed, you're you're a good team, and you're going to be a tough matchup. But you know, maybe K State's a little bit easier than some of them. You know, not a program with not a lot of tournament experience, uh, kind of a little bit of a newcomer on the block. I think you might prefer that to kind of one of the old guard experienced teams. So I, I think they'd be okay if that was the draw, but um, I'm sure a lot will change. Michigan State will, will hope to, to move up to a, from a seven, but, yeah, I'd, I'd agree that's probably about where they're at right now. Kyle, as you're kind of looking at the emotional pendulum, you said you're not we're kind of unsure how um, it will uh, affect Michigan State with what happened to Iowa City, but based on this team's – temperament and kind of that rubber band mentality to snap back 
They're going to walk into a pretty hostile environment on senior night. Is is your team's mental makeup to embrace that? I think so. Yeah, um, they've got you know a lot of guys that have that have done a lot of this before. You know, Joey Hauser's now he's a senior. He's played in a lot of games. Malik Hall, um, he's done this a lot. Um, and, and Tyson Walker, AJ Hogard. So they've got guys that I think kind of have that mentality. Um, haven't been a great team on the road, which I'm not sure any team really in the Big Ten has, but one at Wisconsin, um, one at Ohio State, uh, played real close at Illinois um, and some other places. So, um, yeah, I, I think they're going to embrace this. I mean, they, they certainly are respecting Nebraska and what they've done. They're, n- they're not taking it lightly. They know it's senior day. They know that they've won four in a row at Pinnacle Bank there. So um, I don't think they're taking it lightly, um, and I certainly – you know, the flip side of that is they could certainly come out and feel like um, be motivated by, by what happened against Iowa, and that wouldn't surprise me either. So, so it'll be interesting. Quickly here, any last uh, lasting pressure on Michigan State coming into this game, knowing that they're facing a Nebraska team that has kind of put it all together as of late and looks a lot different than the previous matchup? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I, I think Tom Israel said it's basically a whole different scout than before because, you know, they, they've lost two starters to injury, um, obviously, but they've come back and, um, and they look even better. And I, I think that offense, um, the, the way that they've been scoring the ball the month of February really caught their eye. And Michigan State's been, um, the defense has kind of been shaky a little bit. So I, um, I, I certainly think that they, Nebraska has their full attention uh, going to this one. Hmm. Kyle Austin, appreciate your time this morning. Thanks so much. Hopefully we talk again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. That's the Michigan Thanks, State guys. basketball reporter for M Live, Kyle Austin, joining the show to wrap things up here. And a big game again tonight for Nebraska. 8 o'clock is the tip-off senior night for Sam Griesel, Derek Walker, and Casey Tominaga will also walk. But as Hoiberg said in his press conference yesterday, there's a lot of different scenarios that could play out for Kise is it going back to Japan playing professionally they just don't know yet but right now uh, what they do know is he will be walking tonight yeah and I get it right he's exhausted his academic eligibility his parents are here and Nebraska's gonna have to pony up I mean, that's the reality of it Kise is gonna have to decide hey do I love the college experience what's come with um, this success and, and can I have a sustainable income with NIL and international revenue, right? A lot of lawyers work through that. They'll figure that out. But he can make a lot of money playing back home, too. His stock has gone through the <laughs> roof. Let's just say, I don't think Nebraska if will shoot KT. two for 16 this time around. No, need it, though. Just to have to entertain the conversation, get this <laughs> one tonight. If you missed anything on the show, check out the podcast, Apple, Spotify. That's Hail Varsity Radio. We'll see you tomorrow on Coffee and Cream.